Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Guess what day it is, huh? Hump day! Good morning, everyone, and happy hump day. Welcome to the opening drive on 101 ESPN in St. Louis. We're at 701. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Brooke Grimsley is here. Danny Mack is here. Matthew Rocchio. I'm Randy Carricker. Good morning, kids. How are we doing? Everybody Good excited? Good morning. You are awfully just very wide awake this morning for being up late. So I got my my on the run Mountain Dew. Uh, I was up late. I went to the Eagles concert last night. It was sensational, and uh, so yeah, and they played a long time, which is great. How long did they play? Uh, about two and a half hours. <clears throat> Pretty good. Wow. They were they were outstanding. It's their final tour, so they uh, they went and man, they're they're really good. They're precision. They practice a lot. Best harmonizers I've ever heard, and just super talented. And man. That Joe Walsh, he's he appears to be out of it still, uh, uh, but uh, he can play the he can pick the guitar, man. He can he's great. I'm moving on from that. How many encores did they do? <laughs> uh, three, three encores. Yep. Uh, okay. Hotel California, Desperado, and Heartache Tonight. Ooh. All right, pretty good. It was great. Go with? A uh, bunch of people from the station. Tommy Matter, our, our boss was there. Marshall Rice, our, our chief engineer. Some other Hubbard radio people. We had a good time. Good. Um, and, and seeing Joe Walsh, I was thinking about it last There was a time, and by the way, we got a show for you today. We're going to uh, talk to Cardinals outfielder Tommy Edmond coming up at 8. Katie Wu from The Athletic at 8.45 talking about how Cardinal fans feel about their ball club right now. And then Pro Football Hall of Famer Aeneas Williams is going to join us at 9.15. But uh, Bernie Nicholas and I have, have both told this story. One time... In the football Cardinals last year here, he was the beat writer. I was producing the radio. And they played a preseason game in Memphis against the Chiefs. And it was either after the game or the game was on Sunday. But we were sitting at the hotel bar at the Peabody Hotel in Memphis. And Steve Walsh, St. Louis guy, lead singer from Kansas, was up on stage with uh, a couple of bandmates. And they were just, you know, rocking. And they were good, really, really good. Uh, and so we're there for a half hour. And all of a sudden, Joe Walsh walks in and grabs a guitar and starts playing. And so you've got these two Walshes up on stage, and it's just unbelievable. And Joe Walsh is jam, 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 and he was unbelievable. And then, like, an hour after that, George Thorogood and the Destroyers mm. had been playing in town. And George Thorogood shows up at the Peabody Bar, and he winds up on stage with a guy from his band. So here's these four legendary musicians just playing at a hotel bar in Memphis. And prior to <laughs> cell phones, too. Yeah, exactly. Because right. you would have had people, like, texting, like, you got to get here, you yeah. got to get oh, here. yeah. And that's probably an intimate setting that you'll never forget. No doubt. It was Bernie and Bill Wilkerson was there and some members of the the football Cardinals PR staff and it was epic. It was unbelievable.
unbelievable. That's pretty that sweet. so cool. Yeah, that it, it really, was fun. really, cool. Uh, so let's uh, tell you about sports, shall we? Uh, the uh, the Bill Picota projections are out. Bill played for a long time in Major League Baseball and uh, then uh, started projecting what was going to happen in Major League Baseball. Matthew, what is saying no? Uh, no? <laughs> it's a group called Baseball Prospectus who put a lot of hard work into their algorithms and their numbers. Hold on. Hold, 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 I, I do okay. not believe they named it after... Maybe they did. I don't know. Okay, Bill Picota, 1986 <laughs> to 1994. I, it, with it's, a, a solid, it's a solid Ro- career. Royals, Mets, Braves. I, I just assumed that baseball would be Bill Picota. I thought they liked him. <laughs> uh, they have the Cardinals, and this is really interesting. I guess they've changed the rules in baseball again. They have the Cardinals winning 85.5 games. So maybe they're going to have like a 10-run lead in the fifth and blow it. Or maybe they'll be down 10 in the fifth and win it. And that'll be their half win. The crazy thing is they project them to be the one team above 500 in the Central. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. And win the Central. So it tells you that the Central is weak, at least mm-hmm. on paper. And it should also tell you just how good the American League is. That is a oh. real thing when mm-hmm. you have to yeah. play outside your division as much as the Cardinals or any team does. Mm-hmm. That is a big deal. And our division is weak, too. Yes, Matthew. Pakota is a backronym. A backroom. They wanted. They thought that Bill Picotta was the perfect player to like, sim- like simplify average. So they took his name and then created the acronym, which is what I knew Picotta as, which is Player Empirical Comparison and Optimization Test Algorithm. I yeah. thought that was what they came up with, and it was just a coincidence. They were like, oh, "It works with the joke." Apparently, they took Picotta, reverse engineered the acronym, and apparently, that is technically called a backronym, which. Makes me hate and love the English language all at once. I love it. Wow, that's you ever a heard of a backronym? I no. never have. I haven't either. Uh, the closest comparison in baseball, according to Baseball Reference, to Bill Picota is Harry Adrianza, formerly of the San Francisco Giants. He's kind of bounced around a little bit. He was supposed to be the Giants shortstop after the retirement of Brandon Crawford. Well, Brandon Crawford has retired, and Adrianza hasn't been in their organization for about five years. So anyway, uh, eighty-five and a half wins for. Your St. Louis Cardinals. What do you think? You happy with that? That's, That's better than last season. Better, if you if you than, are saying that you're trying to get better than last season, it is better than last season. It's a massive improvement. Last year, Miami, Arizona needed only 84 wins mm-hmm. to get in. Mm-hmm. In the last four seasons, the NL Central champion has averaged 93 wins. So it's a major drop off in the Central. Since the playoffs expanded to the three wildcard teams, the NL6 wildcard qualifiers have averaged 89 wins. So, you know what? You're you're right around uh, playoff time. You, you could be a playoff team with 85 wins. It's not pretty, but you could get in. That's what we're looking for. Just get in that, and that, see what happens. That's what the Diamondbacks did last year, right? That's what the, the Phillies did. Dan, I, I, I don't know if... Uh, if you've ever been on a show where I've told this, but game one of the playoffs in 22, game game day one of the playoffs, we're doing the morning show, and I said the only team in the National League that had no chance to make the World Series was the Philadelphia Phillies. And they, what happened? And they they went to the World Series. That's they were right. The last team in, they were the lowest seed. They wound up going to the World Series. Now, you'd have to say the Dodgers and the Braves, mm-hmm. they're, they're going to be the teams that you look at. There's, there's numerous teams in the American League that are – uh, projected to be 85 wins or plus. Mm-hmm. It's a low projection, but in this division, it could get you in. Now, yeah. it's made, this projection is made without seeing what the Cubs may do mm-hmm. here in the final yeah. two to three weeks before spring training. Right. If they get, well, they've already redone their bullpen, done a really good job there. They need a bat. And Matt Chapman, maybe. Yeah, that'd be a good fit there. They they need 
maybe Bellinger, who, whoever there it might is, be. There's another one. But uh, they, they need a, a middle-of-the-lineup thumper in, in Chicago. There's news from the Las Vegas A's, and it's not great. Carolyn Goodman is the mayor of Las Vegas. And she said that the A's stadium plan in Vegas, as they prepare to move from Oakland to Vegas, quote, does not make sense, unquote, and says A's ownership should go back to the drawing board and pitch a new plan in Oakland. (laughs) So I've got a mayor of a major U.S. city, the the new sports city in America, that's getting another team. And she says, yeah, we really don't want them. (laughs) It, It is shocking on the surface. But then if you go into it, it does make some sense. Well, no, it doesn't make sense. They don't feel the A's don't feel like good partners, do they? I, I think that's part of it. They don't have a deal for a new stadium, as you said, in Vegas. They don't have a lot of support from fans or the politicians. The key to the A's moving to Vegas is not building on the Tropicana site. That is something that's been talked about, which means they lose public funding. And that's when you start getting the mayor and other people in that they feel they may lose this because of the possibility of a public ballot. And she did go on to clarify her comments in a statement where she said that, of course, that they will welcome them to Las Vegas. But at the same time, you can still see the discrepancy that is going on there because it seems like the biggest hang up, as you were saying, is that they were wanting to have it in one area but the A's are envisioning it in a different area, so they aren't collaborating on exactly what this vision is for the A's coming to sounds, Las Vegas. Brooke, it sounds to me like they have some philosophical differences. Uh-oh. And they need some collaboration. The other thing is you need public funding. Yes. We heard that before oh, with yeah. a stadium. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. yeah, but they've got all that gambling money. They do. I guess certain areas don't want it, though. No. That's what it makes it sound like. Hey, uh, what do you guys think of ESPN, Fox, and TNT all teaming up to have an all-in-one sports streaming platform? Apparently, it's going to debut in the fall so that every game that you want to see that is on one of those platforms, NFL, MLB on ESPN or Fox, NFL on Fox, TNT and ESPN hockey, anything you want to see basically would be on one platform so you don't have to buy ESPN, ESPN Plus, the Fox Sports app, the TNT app, which by the way is free, but you'll be able to see all of these things under one umbrella. We're just circling it back, right? My first reaction to that was, are we doing the cable bundle all over again? And The Athletic has an article about it right now, and they are projecting that it will likely be around $50 a month, which Mm. honestly... That doesn't sound bad. I would easily pay the $50 a month. I pay $85 currently a month for Fubo TV, which I use Mm -hmm. to watch various different games, but especially Valley Sports Midwest. And to your point, I think YouTube is around $72, $73 a month. Mm -hmm. So cable bunding, I thought it was dying. Apparently it's not. I would still prefer to have... My cable TV because the quality is better. You don't have to deal with buffering. Sound and picture quality is substantially better than it is mm-hmm. through streaming. And I know that the generations beyond me don't care about that. I do care about that. So I don't mind paying the extra money for the product that I get because it's such a high quality product with, I, with the spectrum and the picture. And I get all of those anyway. ESPN, all of the ESPNs. I get Fox. I get TNT. I get everything I need. I don't disagree with that. I do like, though, with streaming that you can access it wherever you are. So that makes it really, really easy if you're traveling or even at home. I will just prop up a game on my phone. And while I'm getting ready, I can go into different rooms and watch it. And it makes it accessible to people all over the place. And I would hope that that means less blackouts, different things like that, Mm -hmm. that are the biggest concern that people have when it comes 
to viewing whatever game and content they want. I think that's the number one thing is that if you can have accessibility um, – and we talk about it with baseball here in St. Louis. Would this make it more accessible for fans? And that's where you got to get, yeah. you know. But this sounds like cable bundling all over again. The other thing they should do here, by the way, is get MLB involved. So that any baseball game that you want to see, you can see. If you're paying for it. That's my point. Yeah, yeah. And you're in Dubuque. And right now the Cardinals and the Cubs are both blacked out. You should be able to get it if you're paying for it. Sounds pretty reasonable yeah. to me. Yeah. And so it's a difference if you're on YouTube TV to what they're, and again, these are projections. It's like 50 to $52, mm-hmm. million, uh, $52 a month. So it's a difference of $20 a month. And for some, that is a huge difference in their budget monthly. Right. It's, right. A, it's a big yeah, deal. It's, it is a big deal. The uh, Super Bowl will be played Sunday. You'll hear it here on 101 ESPN. Pre-game at 4 Pre-game at 4. By the way, the Blues play on Super Bowl Sunday at 11. Super Bowl pre-game at 4. The actual game is, I think, at 5.37 St. Louis time. 5.37. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> That's when they usually do it. And they usually do it pretty accurately, too. Uh, but did you guys see the uh, over-under for the... I always love the over-under for the anthem. Uh, and Reba's doing it this year. Is it Reba this year? I yeah. didn't know that. Yeah. I knew that Usher was the halftime performer. Yeah. So uh, let's... Let me... I saw yesterday. I think it was like think, 147. I was gonna say it's gonna be lower, just naturally. I think. Uh, hold on. I'm gonna, take the, I'm gonna take the under on whatever it is. Let's see. This year, uh, Ruby's gonna do a crisp one. It, in di- on different platforms, it ranges from 86 to 90 and a half seconds. Does it shock you that they would put? And I know there's a million prop bets on how many times they'll show. Uh, Taylor Swift, and then you can get into how many catches that Travis Kelsey will have, which is in the game. But there's people that rehearse this with her. How does that not get out? I know. Yeah. NDAs. Those NDAs are pretty scary. They usually close that bet like the like quicker than the other props. That one usually gets closed like a long time. But there's still people that have to set up and do this. It's true. You know, it it could sneak out easily. Yeah, it just like that one closes like a day or two before the Super Bowl though. FanDuel has her at 90 and a half seconds. I'm I'm going over. And by the way, somebody has actually timed out all of her previous renditions of the anthem. She has sung it many times and uh, (laughs) let's see. It opened at 86 and it's gone up to 90 and a half because of her history. Uh, she sung at the World Series, several NFL games, and the IndyCar, an IndyCar event, celebrity softball fundraiser, and even a rodeo. And so uh, the NFL uh, has her, let's see, uh, she's gone all the way up to 202 in the past. Oh, as high as 202. Yeah. Wow. I'm going to take the under on this. I'm going to bet the over. I'm going to take the over. I think this is a huge moment for Reba. Somebody actually went back and timed out all the times I, that she's done this? I guess they're all over YouTube. Her, her anthems are all over YouTube, okay. so you just you take them all. I'm just imagining yep. somebody like studying film on this, right. trying to break oh, down no, the possibilities. There's definitely people yeah. doing <laughs> that, for sure. So, and we, we mentioned this show that I went last night, and there's T-shirts and everything that say, the Eagles, the final, the long goodbye final tour. And now I'm reading here on our sheet that the Eagles were going to open next season in Sao Paulo. I don't know who they're going to open for, but the Eagles are opening <laughs> next season in Sao Paulo, Brazil. Were you lied to last night? I think I may have been. <laughs> oh, then it goes on to say, with the league taking more and more games from U.S. fan bases. Oh. Oh, oh so maybe the other Philadelphia Eagles. Eagles. Okay. Does it really matter? 
I mean, as long as you're getting your television product, does it really, really matter? Now, I guess to the home market, I could be wrong about this, that you have season tickets, you want to go to the game, you can't be there in person. But the NFL doesn't care. As no. long as it's going to be a high rating on television, what's right. the difference of right. where you play it? And I reached a point with the Rams here, and I was doing pre uh, pregame anyway. <laughs> Thank God I didn't have to do postgame for the Rams. Sorry, Anthony and Kerry. Uh, but <laughs> those guys still have PTSD over that. But when um, when I was around the Rams, my preference would have been to not be there at that point because they were just so bad. And now, uh, Matthew, Brooke, your generation, do you want to spend eight hours on a Sunday going to an NFL game or would you rather watch it at home? I would go to an NFL game would you? at okay. heartbeat. Yeah, I would. I love the atmosphere of yeah. it. it what, do you, what about you, Matthew? <laughs> yeah, I want I want red zone. What are you talking about? There you go. So it's, it seems like <laughs> two very different people, people here, right? But it seems like a lot, especially of the younger generation. Dan, you can weigh in with what your kids think. It doesn't seem like they want to allocate eight hours on a Sunday to going to a game anyway. So take it away from them. Let Brazil have it and watch it on TV. I did take my. I guess he would have been. 10-year-old at that time, roughly 10, took him to a bunch of games. He enjoyed it at the age of 10, but now that he's into fantasy football, if he had the difference, I think he'd want, uh, if he had the choice, I think mm. he'd want to watch Red Zone. Red Zone. There you go. Yeah, yeah. So. then he can just experience all the yeah. different ones and pay attention. Yeah. I Here's the thing, is that I get it, the frustration that it's taking away, but it goes back to what we were talking about with streaming. Then you're now going to have more of an international audience, more mm. people who are going to pay right. attention, hopefully more fans who are going to tune in which equals more money. More money. That's what it's all about. Yep. $25 billion a year is what they want to get to. All right, we're off and running here on 101 ESPN. It is hump day. And that means it's Ask Uncle Randy Day. And kids, today is February 7th. One week from today is February 14th. You know what February 14th is? It's the next National Football Foundation luncheon at Lombardo's by the airport. (laughs) (laughs) It's Valentine's Day, and it is National Football Foundation uh, lunch over at the airport. But Valentine's Day in one week. So if you have last, and believe me, if you don't have dinner reservations, you are asking for last-minute ideas. Ask Uncle Randy is coming your way. On the opening drive, I'm 101 ESPN. Get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line, 314-399-9646, 314-399-YO-HO. Uh, let's see. Yo-HO. Yes. There, yes. I gave you Beautiful. a yo-ho. Very happy. Uh, Ask Uncle Randy is next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Got a question for Uncle Randy? Let him dive into his infinite well filled with wisdom to find you answers. Text 314-399-9646. It's Ask Uncle Randy on 101 ESPN. Hey, the uh, the show continues here on 101 ESPN. What kind of a show are you guys putting on here today? Well, we're trying to put on a good one. <laughs> top 10 show? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, we're top eight. Yes. Top eight, yes. Yes. Bear Sports Media, top eight in the whole darn country. Mid-Market Radio, sh- morning radio. Okay. Mid-Market Lounge. <laughs> okay, Yesterday. Okay, let's qualify here. Uh, Mid-Market Radio Shows. With four people that are around the desk. We're number eight in the whole country. Who's number one? Do you have any idea? Uh, I forgot. 
I, so I could, are you happy to be number eight, I'm this number eight nationwide? Eight, eight, eight is a good number. Yeah, I, I, I don't have any issues at all with being number eight. I'm, uh, I don't want to be number one because then all of a sudden people start expecting it. Uh, so you, <laughs> so you, you want to be two? Is that is uh, that better? Two would be okay. Um, I, I think eight is kind of my wheelhouse. Okay, that's yeah, that. That's, what's that's, the uh, criteria for this? Uh, so Jason Barrett has a bunch of people, program directors and such, oh, okay. that, that vote on this. So number one is uh, on uh, the Jock in Birmingham, Alabama, with McElroy and uh, Kubelik, and those are that, that must be a college football show, huh? Greg McElroy and Cole Kubelik for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, SEC little, country, yep. you're going to talk Alabama <laughs> football. Okay. Cleveland is number two. They can't be number one, uh, clearly. Uh, Charlotte is number three. Uh, Nishville, 104.5 The Zone mm-hmm. is uh, number five. Uh, Ramon, Kayla, and Will, you know those people? I do. Uh, are they nice? They are very nice. Do they deserve number four ahead of us? <laughs> yes. Oh, I yeah, mean, we're no, coming wait, after no, no, no. Oh, uh, that's them. the way you just phrased that. Yeah. yeah. No, uh, I don't want coming. them to be ahead of us, oh. but they are great people. They're okay. very nice. Okay. Buffalo is five. Uh, Bob Fesco, our buddy, number six uh, in Kansas City. All right, no, I'm not happy. Oh, well, <laughs> it happens. So Bob's a good broadcaster. Uh, Oklahoma City, the Morning Animals. Maybe we just need to change our name. God, it's number seven, and then we're number what eight. A freaking name. The the names of the show are McElroy and Kubelik. Uh, let's see. Um, Ken Carmen and Anthony Lima, very creative in Cleveland. Uh, the Mac Attack with Chris McLean. No. Ooh, Ramon, Kayla, attack. and Will. Jeremy and Joe. Okay. Fesco in the morning. The Morning Animals. We need something like The Morning Animals. Off the bench. Can't imagine calling the show The Morning Animals. The Big Bad Morning Show in (laughs) Baltimore is number 10. All right, let's get to uh, Ask Uncle Randy. Dear Uncle Randy, I accidentally told my wife that cooking is not her strength. It just isn't. And now she's mad and she never wants to cook. Shocking. I can't do every dinner. How do I make this right even though her food isn't great? Okay, Uh, Uncle Randy. Great start. Uncle Randy. I've been around, you know. Here's your play. You are welcome. You can go to, and, and you it, you can make this a date. You can make this a bonding agent. You can take cooking classes together. Go to Schnooks and uh, l- just go to schnooks.com and look up the cooking classes or any other store that you might frequent and have her come with you on a date to, and make it a, a date thing every week for a couple of months take cooking classes together and allow her to become a better cook. After all, cooking is only following instructions. It's not difficult. So if you can get her through those doors to the grocery store and take a cooking class with you, it's something that you can do together that you'll both enjoy and she will become a better cook and she'll do so happily. I think that that's the right play, especially if you're trying to get back in her good graces mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. that comment, because that comment never exactly lands well. But if you're showing, I'm learning it with you. Mm-hmm. But now I feel like I'm being bamboozled a little bit, guys, because last night David took me to a cooking class. Is he oh, trying to tell no. me something? No, because we know that you're. We know that you're a good cook. <laughs> I think I'm a good cook. I love to cook. <laughs> well, one thing we've seen is as you put it on the socials. The presentation is sensational. Thank so you. Uh, I, I would say that uh, if somebody doesn't like your cooking, it's probably a them problem and not a you problem. There you go. I like that approach. Thanks. Not me. There you go. No, never. <laughs> That's a, we've got uh, our four pillars here, uh, here on the show, and the 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 four pillars are uh, number one, all roads lead to hardware. Number two, this one's important, uh, deflect blame at all costs. Number three, keep the panic bus keys handy. And number four. 
this is my credo in life, just coast. So, <laughs> but uh, def- number two, deflect blame at all costs, Brooke, is uh, just say, hey, it, it's part of my job. Mm. <laughs> Literally. Yes. Let's go to number four then. Uh, Uncle Randy, my anniversary was last week and Valentine's Day, obviously, mm-hmm. being next week. We don't typically do gifts. Is the Soulard Mardi Gras experience a good substitute? No. Not at all. No, uh, unless you like to be blackout drunk, which some people, well, thousands of people do. I have many times participated as somebody who was on a float in the Mardi Gras parade. Were and- you a chairman? No, I never was a chairman. Okay. But we used to, uh, 101 ESPN used to walk in or ride. Yeah, we, okay. or, or our van or something like that, throw beads and stuff like that. People had to earn them, of course. But, uh, so, but anyway, uh, I don't think, no, that for the anniversary slash Valentine's Day. Now, I'm not saying it's not fun. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying that that's not a perfect or even a good idea to celebrate Valentine's Day or and or your anniversary. So your anniversary is last week. Valentine's Day is next week. You aren't going to get reservations for dinner on Valentine's night. It's too late. Brunch on Sunday. Take her for, take her, here, there's two things you can do here. Brunch on Sunday, which she would enjoy, or if you have the ability to cook, young man, breakfast in bed on Sunday. I think there's two plays here for you that you can make her happy and be romantic because anniversary and Valentine's Day are romantic. Soulard Mardi Gras is not romantic. <laughs> so uh, I, I would say that, uh, that that's your play. One of those two. I want to go back to the cooking thing just for yes. a moment. Uh-huh. Um, I don't think you get away from that if you're the person that said you can't cook. <laughs> he already told her. But he, he already told her. Right. And, I, I he, think it sticks the rest of your life. It, it may. But here's the thing. At least you're trying. and you're. I, she apparently doesn't agree with this. But you can take classes that aren't necessarily just learning how to cook you can take classes to learn how to cook cool stuff and so that's and if you've already told her she's not a good cook and you're cooking every night make it something that is a bonding agent between you two and say babe i'm really sorry i i said that and i I am cooking every night but i want you to be able to enjoy cooking and i want me to be able to enjoy it so why don't we do this class together why don't we uh, and and make it here's a thing, guys, Uncle Randy, always put it on yourself. Mm-hmm. This is the way that I feel. And if you do it that way, then there is no attack mode for her. She's not going to attack your feelings. So here's here's the way I feel. I, I, I told you this because it's the way I feel. It, it might be right. It's probably wrong. But I think that we can do something fun to make this a win-win. Deflect, deflect, deflect. I just imagine mm-hmm. you, the way that you explained that, my visualization was Captain America with his big shield yep. where you just mm-hmm. bounce it right off. Yep. It works. Yeah. Deny until you die. Uh, one last one. Dear Uncle Randy or Aunt Brooke, how should I approach a female I've had my eye on at the gym? Obligatory. Yeah, All right. Uh, Brooke has been at the gym, and uh, she, <laughs> Brooke has had some uh, some weird experiences with guys coming up to her at the gym. So, number one. Brooke, as a female, and a female, you're engaged, but it is an unattached female. How do you feel about the guy that makes moves, whether it's subtle or direct, at the gym? I think that if it is the right situation, then it's totally fine. Obviously, not single here, but Mm -hmm. I do understand that some people meet in various different places and want to try organically rather than Mm -hmm. just the dating apps. I'd say that you do it at the right moment, the right time, not being too kind of creepy or trying to sneak up in any way. 
maybe at the water fountain. That could be good a good play. play. Yep. Yep. Say you come here often to get water yeah. to the gym, <laughs> you know, good. the nice opening yeah. line there. Head on over and to the bubble. <laughs> go, go, go to the bubble. Yeah, yeah. You come here often. You like water. We, I also like water. We have a lot of things in common here. That's a and roaring then, start. There you go. And so it's a very nice kind of easy opening line. And the worst they can say is no. I don't think that there's anything exactly wrong with that as long as it's the right time and it's not too much that's happening there. Yeah, and I think another thing is as she gets ready to uh, bench 300, uh, you say, hey, can I spot for you? There you go. I want to go back to the cooking thing again. <laughs> okay. You got to get um, Dan, Dan is set on you, this. You've given every logical way to get out of this. You can't get out of it. You've already laid the groundwork. It'll stick with you for 25 years. Do you remember there's, there's, when you said I couldn't cook? There's no doubt about that, that it is going to be a thing forever. But when she presents you with that beautiful lemon chicken pasta and sets it right in front of you and says, blank you, you some bee, uh, I can cook. <laughs> it's it's going to be there, but at least the food's going to be good. In 25 years, she's still going to say, hey, do you remember when you she told is, me I couldn't cook? Could last forever. Yes. There's no doubt about that. You aren't getting past it, but at least you can improve the, your, your eating experience. Okay. you can. I'll give you that, Randy. You danced around this a lot of different ways. <laughs> I was pretty direct with the idea of cooking classes, but he was more direct by telling her she's a bad cook. That, that's true. I'll give you that one. <laughs> Honesty and communication is important in a relationship. Yeah, it is. Uh, that's right. Yeah. See, everyone uh, says it, but no one actually means it. That's the problem. So, he hey. was honest and he communicated that, and now he's in trouble for 25 yep. years? Mm. This is the problem. Okay, guys, uh, one more thing. Just one word here for next Wednesday. Jewelry. Okay? Yeah. Just one word. Jewelry. And you're good. Can't go wrong. And flowers. Got to get to the flowers too. Chocolates, maybe. Some people don't like chocolates. Brooke. Ooh, yeah, chocolates are great. You should know what your significant <laughs> other enjoys says, says, in a candy-wise. Yeah. So get her the right candy. Yeah. So I, I don't. I don't know what response David gets, but I can tell you this: when I tried to be kind and got her a, a king-size Reese's, she said, "Randy, you're killing me here." Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to stay strong. Another great gift: the Chick-fil-A. Do you see they have the heart-shaped? Biscuits and then also that heart shaped platter that you can get with the little yes. chicken mini biscuits. And, yeah, uh, or no, it's like the you know what I'm talking about. What are they called? It is just chicken yeah. minis. Hold right? on, yeah, Brooke. Right. You're, you're gonna you want somebody to go get you Chick fil A <laughs> on Valentine's Day <laughs> because it's cute. It's in a nice little heart shaped box. It's adorable. Yeah, uh, Chick fil A is great for any occasion. Great, yeah. <laughs> Emos heart shaped pizza. Ooh, another good play. Fantastic. You can never go wrong with Emos, and especially a heart shaped pizza. Matthew's telling us that we got to take a you guys are break. true romantics. <laughs> And, uh, I don't know if you can still do it, but White Castle does a really fine dining experience with tablecloths and stuff like that. So White Castle on Valentine's Day, good play also. What if you're sleeping in the same bed? That could be a little rough yeah, later be, in the night. Yeah, mm. yeah. Coming up here on 101 ESPN, <laughs> does the best agent in all of sports do some of his clients a disservice? That's coming your way on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. The smartest way to do your homework is 
Warm weather means homework for homeowners. And if your homework means a new deck, then turn to the deck experts at Hackman Lumber. Browse the largest inventory of decking materials and deck accessories in Missouri at Hackman Lumber Company. Talk with their experts about treated lumber, cedar, timber tech, treks, evergreen, and azek to find the best deck for you. Check out endless choices of railings, balusters, and LED deck lighting options. Hackman Lumber Company will not be undersold on in-stock decking materials guaranteed. You can choose to do it yourself with Hackman's expert advice, or they can recommend reputable contractors to do the work for you. Hackman Lumber is an authorized Yeti dealer and also stocks a large assortment of grills, so celebrate summer with a new Big Green Egg, Weber Gas, or Charcoal Grill, and all of the accessories from Hackman Lumber. Come visit their showrooms in St. Charles, Pacific, and Troy, Missouri, or online at hackmanstl.com. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Good to have you with us on the Opening Drive on 101 ESPN. According to CBSSports.com, four of the top ten baseball free agents for this offseason are still on the market. And... Those four, ironically, have something in common besides being on the market. Jeff Montgomery, Jordan Montgomery, uh, Blake Snell, Cody Bellinger, Matt Chapman, all still out there and all represented by Scott Boris. Now, over the years, Scott Boris has done a really good job with getting people into teams late. Uh, did it with Prince Fielder when he went to the Tigers. Did it with Matt Holiday when Matt Holiday waited forever to si- re-sign with the Cardinals. Kyle Loesch. Kyle mm-hmm. Loesch, who signed in spring training, but never got the money back that he could have made had he had different representation during that offseason. And that's happened with other guys. Kendris Morales, Stephen Drew, Dallas Keuchel, never were able to make up that money that they reportedly were offered during the offseason, but Boris was holding out for more and more and more, and then never were, were able to recoup that. It seems to me that as great as Scott Boris is, and there is no doubt that he's the best, but there are certain non-superstar free agent players that he has that appear to be done a disservice. Isn't it amazing that if you're an agent, you work for the player? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It seems like in his case, the player works for Scott Boris. And again, if if I was a player, I'd want to be represented by Scott Boris because he is, as you said, the best in the business, will get you the best deal more than likely. But there are cases in which it hasn't worked. And if I was a pitcher and I was offered a long-term deal, I would sign tomorrow. You just don't know about your shoulder mm-hmm. issues. You, you probably are going to have Tommy John at some point. And if I'm a position player, I'm thinking the same thing. I'm one 90-mile-an-hour fastball from getting hit in the face and my career being different and altered. If you get 50 or $60 million, take it. In this case, if you get over 100 take it. There was a report last week that Blake Snell was offered 150 over 6 by the Yankees. Let's keep an eye on what Blake Snell winds up getting. He apparently, B- Boris, wants nine years for Blake Snell. Hard to imagine that that's going to happen for a guy who doesn't give you six innings on a regular basis. Nine years. Yeah. Wow. For a pitcher that's north of 30. Really? Yeah. Here's the thing is that I understand, and he is a fantastic agent, as you mentioned there, I understand what he's doing. And he has a lot of resources for his players. He's very, very valuable, and he gets his players a lot of money for their value. But at the same time, with pitchers, what always concerns me, because they're so routine-based, is any little thing that is off schedule or throws them off could lead to an injury where they start the season injured. I mean, we've Mm -hmm. seen it time and time again. Remember the COVID-19 season and how 
how everything happened there. I don't think it was a coincidence that you saw an uptick in injuries happening to pitchers because they're so routine-based that any little thing that throws them off, that's not something that it could lead to a bigger injury. Now, there are people that blame the late arrival of Carlos Rodon with the Yankees last year on that very thing, but Carlos Rodon had been hurt for most of his career anyway. The year that before he became a free agent was the outlier for Rodon, and he has, Boris has done well for people like Harper and Bogarts. The thing is, he has a hundred great clients, right? Mm-hmm. But there has to be numbers 91 through 100. And if they're on the market at the same time as guys that are in the top 20, who's going to get the benefit from Scott Boris? It's the person that can make Scott Boris the most money. Absolutely. So again, the player is working for the agent and that shouldn't be, that just should not be that case. No. It should be, get me the best deal and let me decide with the two or three offers that I have where I want to go and what I want to do. Back in the 90s, there was a rule that if you didn't sign with a team, your team, by, I believe it was December 31st, that you couldn't rejoin that team until after Correct. May 1st. Yeah. And Andy Bennis was with the Cardinals. He had signed a, a two-year deal for 96-97, so after the 97 season. From what I understand, Andy wasn't involved in the discussions, and neither was Walt Jockety. So you have this mid-night deadline. DeWitt and Boris are talking, Bill DeWitt Jr., and... The deadline passes, and they come to an agreement at something like 12.05, and MLB and the MLBPA say, nope, the rule is midnight. So Andy had to go to Arizona for a couple of years and then come back to St. Louis. Sometimes uh, players say, I just don't want to deal with it, mm-hmm. and I want to deal with the minutia of what goes into this, and I don't want to have bad feelings towards the team that maybe I sign with or don't sign with. That stuff happens all the time, too, where the agent steps in and takes care of everything, right. which... In that case, I can see the point of being away uh, from the agent and not knowing the offers that are on the table. Two quick Boris stories. Number one, I was talking to a general manager last year who said that he was talking to a free agent from his own team, and it was between that team and another team, and he called the player because he had to put together a team, and he called the player and he said, Hey, what's going on? Where are you where are you going? And he said the player literally said, I don't know, Scott's gonna tell me tomorrow. Yep, it happens all the time. <laughs> and then another time, and this is with Greg Maddox, who desperately wanted to stay in Chicago with the Cubs for his entire career. And apparently never heard about an offer. And this is, uh, and by the way, this allegedly happened last year, but it, uh, who, Freddie Freeman. Freddie Freeman was yeah. the one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and apparently uh, there was a situation where Maddox didn't hear or wasn't aware of the scope of an offer by the Cubs, winds up signing as a free agent with the Braves. And then when he got close to free agency the year before, told Boris, get me a deal with the Braves. I am gonna, I want to stay here. And so that's one instance in which the player didn't wind up in free agency because the player took charge rather than letting the agent be in charge. It was tough to watch the Freddie Freeman thing last year. Yeah, He, he should never, ever have left the Atlanta Braves. No. He should have finished his career there. He was emotional when he went back to Atlanta. You could tell he didn't want to leave. Now he's back home and has ingratiated himself to the organization and to the community, and and it Mm -hmm. seems like it's a good fit, a perfect fit. However, looking at it from afar, he he should have never left the Atlanta Braves. But if you take the emotion out of it, I'll bet the Braves are really happy. Probably. To have Mm -hmm. Olsen rather than Freeman. Probably. Age-wise, I believe. Money-wise. And he's fit perfectly in that lineup. And an MVP finalist last year. The only guy to hit 50 home runs. That's Dan. That's Brooke. I'm Randy. Coming up here on 101 ESPN. Get your text in for Teoli. 314-399-9646. 314-399-YOHO. Take it or leave it next on 101 ESPN.
to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for Take It or Leave It. Want to say something? Want to put it out there? If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, set it right back. Get your text into 314-399-9646. And give us your Take It or Leave It. Brought to you by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com. And start packing. That's my final offer. Take it or leave it. Brooke, Dan, Matthew, and Randy, it is time for Teoli here on 101 ESPN. Okay, kids, Dateline Vegas. Chiefs press conference. Marquez Valdez-Scantling tells the assembled media, quote, I've played with the two best quarterbacks ever to play this game, especially when it comes to arm talent. Talking about... Aaron Rodgers with the Packers and Patrick Mahomes with the Chiefs. Take it or leave it, Valdez Scandling would have been thought more highly of if he would have said, I dropped passes from the two best quarterbacks ever to play this game. I'm going to take that. The Chiefs, we were talking about it yesterday. They led the league in drops by 44, and we were asking people around the office, what do you think the league leader was in drops team-wise? It was 20, 22, no, 44. 44. And he had a bunch of them. MBS, yeah, he... He's dropped passes from the best. I'm going to have to take it. Who was the team that was second with drop passes? I don't, I, they were was, 20 behind. Yeah, it was 24. 44 was the most. 24. Uh, who was it? I can't I remember. remember. It was. I don't remember either. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, now I'm trying matter. to remember. But still, that's a big difference between the first one and oh, the second yeah. one. Yeah, double. <laughs> when you talk about drop passes. Well, take it or leave it, guys. The Giants are reportedly not planning on tagging superstar running back Saquon Barkley, and he will hit the open market as a free agent, according to ESPN. Take it or leave it, he's going to go to the Chargers. Jim Harbaugh has already been on record, I think, is saying that he wants to get Saquon Barkley, and he loves to run the football, so I'll take it. He winds up in what are they, powder blues or whatever they are? L.A. It's Chargers? Very, yeah, it's very powdery yeah. blue. So I'll take that. What about the Texans, though? That's another intriguing yeah. option. But I agree with you. I've, I've seen the reports that Jim Harbaugh has him at the top of his wish list, and it makes a lot of sense. Here's a guy, though, that has um, pl- already played six years in the league. He turns 27 on Friday, so he would be playing his age 28 season with seven seasons under his belt when he got to the Chargers. He already has uh, 1,200 attempts. He will probably have 1,500 attempts by the time he would get to the Chargers. I don't think a team's going to sign a running back. I I, I think that they would be more inclined to take a third-round running back and do it the way everybody else does it. Take it or leave it. NBA players must play in 65 games to be the MVP, roughly 80% of the season. So take it or leave it. If a player is dominant, let's say 60 games, they should be the MVP. Take it. I'm going to take it. Yeah, that's 75%. It is. Right? I think Bill Walton won the, he's the only one that won the MVP under 65 20%. games. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I think if you're dominant, though, like Embiid's going to miss time. But, I was going to say Embiid. Right? He yeah. could still be the MVP again, even though Matthew's guy is he's probably tracking one game short right now. Based, on like, based on like projections, people yeah. think he's uh, going to hit one game short of the of the threshold. Uh, but they've so, also been very, there's a gray area on his injury of when he would come back to. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's anywhere from 8 to eight to 12 weeks, I think, or maybe 6 to 10. I, I mean, I know there's, there's six about to a, there's six, to, 6 to 8. I mean, I mean, he's had a lot of issues. I, I, I just wonder if that's, yeah, so a two-week delta, that's, that's yeah. four or five games right there. Here's the thing about uh, MVP awards. There's no doubt that the most valuable player in this league this year is LeBron James. None. 
if LeBron James isn't on the Lakers, they are in the hunt for the first pick in the draft. That'd be Bronny James? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You think LeBron wants to stay in L.A. just to play with Bronny and tell the Lakers, you're going to take him one way or another, and he's going to be on my team? He's going to find yes. a way to get Bronny on a team and then play with him. I yes. think so, too. He's already said as much. Bronny is averaging 5.6 points a game right now at USC. Doesn't sound like a top pick. Not starting. No. No, no that is not good whatsoever. At that point, is it is it bad if he goes to the NBA because of that yes, performance? It is. It, Michael Jordan's sons never went to the NBA, and they performed at a similar level. Maybe they need to give centers, this is from the 314, a little more room than the guards. A lot harder to play 60 at 7'2 than a guard. It is. I think that's legit. Yeah, I agree. Big bodies. Take it or leave it. Oh, sorry. Uh, One more here. Uh, Take it or leave it. Jordan Walker will have more home runs in 2024 than Jordan Cairo has goals. Cairo has 14 goals right now. Jordan Walker has zero home runs. (laughs) J-Dub. So 14, 28. uh, I'm going to peg Jordan Cairo for 30. And uh, this is a really great question. I'm going to go... I'm going to take it. I'm going to say that J-Dub finishes with 31 home runs. If Cairo gets over 30 goals, the Blues are headed to the playoffs. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Some of those, I think, would happen on the power play. Mm -hmm. He has been snake-bitten at times. I think if he gets over 30, they head to the playoffs. I I think I'm going to have to take it. I think this is going to be a big year for J-Dub. I do, too. I just feel it. I feel it. Good. So uh, the Jordans. The, the young Jordans in our town, they need to step up and play great. Oh, they, they do, well, especially the Mr. Cairo. Uh, yeah, and number 50 already, uh, that, that Jordan is already playing well. He's doing his part. Fifth most saves in the NHL right now going into the All-Star break. Pretty impressive. Thank you very much for your texts. We do appreciate them. Coming up here on 101 ESPN, the Cardinal center fielder, Tommy Edmond, <laughs> joins us here on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. Back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. In the air towards center. Edmund got a good jump. Dives and makes a great catch. Little pop into shallow right center. Edmund coming on. He got As this one's hit a mile high deep left. Taylor on the run. He looks up. That ball is gone. And Tommy Edmond makes it two zip. The Cardinal center fielder Tommy Edmond is getting ready for spring training starting next week down in Jupiter, Florida. He, of course, is a key member of Big League Impact and joins us now here with Brooke Grimsley, Dan McLaughlin. I'm Randy Carricker. And uh, Tommy, first of all, thank you very much for joining us on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. How are you doing this morning? Good, good. What's up, everybody? It's, uh, it's good to uh, be talking to you guys and, and uh, ready to get going for spring. All right. Uh, let, let's start. I got a couple of things for you. Number one, whenever we refer to you, a couple of us do this. We go, Tommy, Edmund. Uh, how do you like that? <laughs> I think it's great. I appreciate it. I appreciate the enthusiasm. Our enthusiasm is very high for you. Second of all, Tommy, congratulations on your success in the Big League Impact Fantasy Football League. You were fantastic this year. Oh my gosh! Thank you so much. I am a, a back-to-back uh, champion. Um, I don't want to toot my own horn too much, but I, I dominated the league thoroughly, um, and I'm considering taking up a second career in, in fantasy football. Good, good play. I like it. How competitive, Tommy? Does it get behind the scenes with fantasy football and you guys? 
Yeah, we get we get pretty into it for sure. There's a lot of a lot of trash talk. Um, you'd be amazed at how much research we all do behind the scenes, and um, especially Wayne. Wayne is really the guy who who uh, likes to instigate the trade talks. He gets he gets <laughs> mad at everybody in the league if there isn't a trade every three days. So he's uh, he's definitely the the one who's uh, instigating it all, and and we'll see what it's like next year because I'm not sure if he'll be in the league or not. Um, he might try to sneak his way back in even though he won't be with the team but um could be a little bit different uh, but we'll see it's hard to believe but spring training is right around the corner and of course this past fall you had wrist surgery so how is your recovery going with that it's good it's going well um it was uh, a little bit unexpected at the end of the season um just because i thought that uh, the wrist had kind of fully recovered and, and it turned out there's a little little work needed to be done um but no it's going well it's uh um definitely uh getting better and better each day um i'm progressing in my swings um and it's it's getting that full that full range back right now so um i think i'm i'm very encouraged first season tommy how did you prepare for center field this off season as opposed to being a middle infielder um i it was honestly not too different um i would say the biggest change that i made um was more just like the volume of running um i think just after experiencing playing center um, for several days in a row last year, it definitely um, was a little bit a higher volume of, of sprints, um, just running to the gap, throwing throwing the ball in. And um, so one thing I tried to change a little bit was just make my distance sprints a little bit longer. Typically, I'll, I'll usually do like sprinting up to like 30 yards, and I, I kind of changed that up to like 60 yards this year. Um, so I would say that was the biggest change, and for the most part, all the all the lifting and and strength and conditioning stayed the same. Tommy, fans want every player to be the, the, like the perfect quintessential guy in their book, and they want you to have the rocket arm. I think you would agree with us. You you have a really really good arm, but you you don't have a rocket. So, is there any way you have to adjust to play center field with with your physical abilities? Is that a concern of yours at all? Well, I think one of the things that helps me out in the outfield is since I'm used to playing infield, um, I'm really used to coming in and attacking the ball pretty aggressively. So I think I get to the ball a lot faster than um, than most uh, other outfielders will. And also because of playing infield, I have the quicker release. So I think those two things probably make up the difference in um, in getting and having like a 100-mile-an-hour arm from the outfield. The other thing is you always know where the cutoff man is, don't you? Yeah, 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 definitely. I, when I'm playing infield, I appreciate when the outfield uh, outfielder hits me, so I I like to return the favor whenever I'm playing in the outfield. How does it feel going into the season? I'm sure that you had a defined role also going into last season, but knowing that this will be your role going into the year. Yeah, no, it's it, it's definitely a good feeling to um, to have the front office and the coaching staff state that I, I'll be playing out there. Um, so I'm a it was nice to kind of have that, that peace of mind. Um, however, I'm still making sure I'm staying prepared at other positions too. You know, I, you never know what's going to happen. Obviously anything can happen over the course of 162 games. Um, so I'm preparing to play, uh, all center field, but, um, I'm also making sure I'm, um, staying active in the infield, other, other outfield positions. So it's, a uh, definitely, uh, something I've learned over the past few years is just to be ready everywhere. Tommy, who's been influential and, and helpful in your transition to the outfield? 
Um, well, last year I, I, I talked with Willie a lot about uh, kind of just positioning stuff and um, where to be moving around on the field, given different counts and just reading swings and stuff like that. Um, so he, he helped out a lot last year. Um, and I'm sure I'll, I'll get to work with him more this year. Cause I think since the transition was kind of in the middle of the season last year, I'd, I didn't necessarily have the time or, um, kind of just the energy in the middle of the summer to, um, to go out there and do a bunch of outfield drills. So that'll be nice during this spring where I can really take advantage of this time where I'll be working on it and, and working on things like the first step and maybe just route running and things like that. Um, and, one thing too is uh, just getting used to the uh, the longer throw. Like in the infield, you can kind of get away with not having your hips totally turned, and you really got to get your hips turned in the outfield to keep keep the ball on a line. Um, so I think there's little things like that I'll get to work on um, in the spring. The Cardinal center fielder Tommy Ebner with us on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. Tommy, I thought it was interesting last year when you, sometimes against right-handed pitchers you would go up hitting right-handed. Can you explain to us how you make that decision, and is that something that's made in-game, like immediate, or when you watch a pitcher on tape, do you make that decision? How do you go about making that decision to go right on right? Yeah, so before the series starts, I, I look at all the pitchers um, and – I make the determination on which guys I'll go right on right against. And there's, there's several factors that go into it. I would say like the easiest way to explain it is just whoever has reverse splits. So reverse splits are guys who do better against opposite hand hitters. So typically right hand pitchers do better against right handed hitters. Mm -hmm. Um, But there's a handful of guys who actually perform better against lefties. Um, So if a guy has drastic splits, um, then it would make sense for me to go, up against a, a pitcher that he does better, or sorry, go up against a pitcher uh, on the handedness that he does worse against. Um, so a lot of it is is just the splits and looking at it. And then after I see the splits, I look at that pitcher's pitch profile to see if there's any pitches that will give me trouble. Um, and if it seems like I'll, I'll uh, be comfortable in there against that, that specific type of pitcher, um, then I'll make the decision to do that. The Cardinals bringing back Matt Carpenter this season. You were able to obviously play with him and be around him. What is he like as a leader and voice for the clubhouse? Yeah, he's awesome. I, I really enjoyed my, uh, I think it was three years that I got to play with him. Um, and, and yeah, like you were saying, he's just a great uh, a great leader in the clubhouse, you know, an amazing guy, great attitude um, throughout, you know. And um, I think having that, that guy who has been with the Cardinals for, I think he was, with us for 10 years um and uh really knows like everything in the clubhouse knows uh the way that cardinals like to do things um i think to have him back is going to be a, a great addition in the clubhouse um so we're, we're excited to see him i haven't gotten a chance to see him yet but i think he'll be getting down to florida in a few days so carpenter is one of the changes you've had a lot of other changes with the club what have you thought about some of the additions to the st louis cardinals for 2024 yeah, I'm, I'm really excited. I think, uh, especially on the looking at it from the pitching side, I mean, we got three uh, three pitchers, three starting pitchers who have who have been around the game for a long time, have had a ton of success, a lot of postseason experience as well. Um, so I think having guys like that who've kind of been there, done that, aren't going to shy away from the um, from the the big games, you know. Um, and they all, from from everything I've heard, I haven't gotten the chance to, to meet them all yet, but from everything I've heard, they're unbelievable teammates and 
um, are going to be really helpful in the clubhouse, um, especially for the younger guys. So we're, uh, we're definitely excited to have those guys with us, and I'm excited to meet them all. A couple more things for the Cardinal center fielder Tommy Edmond here on 101 ESPN. Uh, first of all, how's the little fella doing? Is he sleeping through the night? Everything going good? <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, he's up and down. You know, he's uh, uh, last night, let's see, he woke up a couple times. Um, he's laying next to me right now, just waiting for a little diaper change. So, um, well, uh, yeah, there's definitely a little bit of a learning curve, but he's, he's had some great nights, um, and some not so great nights. And he just laughed at me right now as I said that. So (laughs) we'll see how tonight goes. Well, Tommy, you're a Chargers fan, right? Oh, yes. Oh, don't get me started on that. Okay. Well, I do have to ask you though, how do you feel about Jim Harbaugh coming? I'm I'm fired up. I I can't wait. Cole, the funny thing is I'm actually a Michigan fan as well because my dad and and grandparents went to Michigan. Um, So it's a bit bittersweet, um, but I'm glad that he went out on that championship. Um, But, yeah, it's it's really cool to to have a guy with with that proven success and kind of going to establish the culture for the the whole franchise because it seems like they've kind of been a a bit of a stated – state of disarray for the past few years um so they have i mean they got so much talent on the team that if uh i don't know all the pieces are seem to be in place and it's just about uh harbaugh coming in and just establishing that culture and kind of turning everything around so we'll see what happens um i wouldn't i mean i'm not counting on uh us like winning the super bowl this year i would imagine it'll take a year or two but i think that's a it's going to be awesome for the franchise who do you have on Sunday between the Chiefs and the Niners? Oh, I got the Niners. Niners all day. I got to go with my Stanford guy, McCaffrey. Oh, there you go. And I wanted to ask you about Stanford and the ACC. Does that, as a Stanford guy, does that make like all the sense in the world to you? That makes zero sense. <laughs> it's, I, don't, it's I, don't I don't understand it at all. I think, I mean, it makes sense for the, I mean, like somewhat makes sense for the football just because of how much money there is in it. But I think they should have done just the football teams changing conferences and then have every other uh, every other sport stay the same. Like, I don't know why the Pac-12 had to dissolve just for the because of football, but yeah, I don't exactly. know. Exactly. Agreed. Makes no sense. Yeah. Uh, Tommy, how much did it mean to you for the Cardinals to, uh, to give you the two-year contract so you don't have to hassle with even the thought of arbitration for a couple of years? Yeah, it's, it is, um, it's very nice for sure. Uh, just to be able to avoid the process too. I've heard a lot of not so great things about kind of what goes on at trials and everything. And um, so to, to be able to avoid that and have some security going into next year as well. Um, and just going into spring with a, uh, in a great state of mind, you know, just being able to focus on going out and winning ball games instead of worrying about um, worrying about contract stuff. And um, my, uh, my agent did an unbelievable job and, and I'm glad him and Mo were able to, to work together and and I was I was really pleased it was it was great to hear the the front office willing to work with us and and uh um glad we were able to get a deal done. Yeah, we're glad that you're going to be here at least for the next couple of years as well. And finally, last but certainly not least, uh, we've talked about how proud you are of having the platform of a major league player and it's great to have a place to use that platform like Big League Impact. Tell us about what you do now with Big League Impact. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's kind of what it's all about. Is uh, I mean, when you have a when you're a professional baseball player and you have a chance to to impact a lot of people, I mean, that's that's really the most important thing that that you're doing as a as a pro player is just setting an example for all the young kids out there. And I just try to do that and be a role model for 
um, for all the young baseball players looking up to me. Um, so I, I mean, it's been amazing just being involved with them for the past five years. Uh, we ended up helping me get involved and, and, uh, I know Gibson, um, who uh, I haven't gotten the chance to meet yet, but I know he's, I think he was either the co-founder or on the board as well. Um, so kind of having that, that continuity on the team is going to be great. And, uh, just the things that we've been able to do with the fantasy football league, um, the all win campaign. Um, and then last year doing some, doing all those community service events and all the road trips. I mean, just the things that we've been able to do through the, through the charity have been unbelievable. And, um, it's definitely been a huge part of, of my wife and I, our, our lives the past few years. Well, we thank you for that on behalf of the community, and we thank you for taking the time. Have fun down in Jupiter, and have a great 2024, and I'm sure as the season unfolds, we'll speak again. Thank you, Tommy. Yeah, thank you so much. I'll, I'll talk to you guys again soon. You bet. See you later. That is Tommy Edmond joining us here on 101 ESPN. Dan doesn't want me to be a cheerleader. I'm a cheerleader. <laughs> Do whatever you want, man. <laughs> I think you're a great cheerleader. You have a great cheerleader clap. Be aggressive. B-E aggressive. A-G-G-R-E-S-S-I-V-E aggressive. Do whatever you want, man. If it makes you happy, just let it rip. It just makes me happy. Good. <laughs> what a good guy he is, huh? He oh, is. he's the best. Yes. Yeah. Well-spoken, good guy, able to transfer from shortstop or second base to center field. That is not easy. And to do that at this level, man, he he deserves a lot of credit. Yeah, he really does. Coming up here on 101 ESPN, we've got our fresh take. If the Blues are to make the playoffs, which player needs to step up and play to his expected level? That's coming your way on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. To the opening drive, Brooke, Dan, and Randy here. Now, we were talking to John Kelly yesterday, and we asked him who was the MVP of the first half of the season for the Blues, and he said Jordan Bennington. But guys, I was wondering this. The second half of the season, this is a very crucial second half of the season coming out of the All-Star break for the Blues. Who was the guy that might have been possibly the LVP, the least valuable player, if you will, that needs to be an MVP from here on out? Who is that guy for the Blues? Okay, relative to expectation for me, and I know this sounds weird because I know that you guys have other players to put in this realm, but Justin Falk, in his second year with the Blues, played 76 games, had 47 points, and was a dramatic plus player. He was actually a plus 41 a couple of years ago. Last year, the Blues were bad. He still had 50 points, though, and he was a minus four. Right now, Justin Falk is on pace for about 35 points, and that is not enough. This offense, or this defense, needs to produce offensively. And right now, in uh, in 40 games, two goals, 17 assists. He, he's been a double-digit goal scorer, 16 and then 11 in his first two years with the Blues. Not that he's the LVP, but I think that for depth purposes and the way the Blues want to play the game, I think Justin Falk needs to play the way he played the last couple of years in the second half for the Blues to be a playoff team. I got to wonder how banged up he is. I yes. think he is, Dan. You know, he's just not playing at the level that he was. I'll have an easy choice here. It's Jordan Cairo. Mm-hmm. Um, 14 goals in 49 games. You got 33 games left, Randy. And, you know, we were talking about him trying to get to 30 goals. He'd have to go on a tear. And it, it, it hasn't shown that, that he will. 
um, so far in, in this season, and you've got only 33 games left. Mm-hmm. I, I think the thing that would take them to the playoffs is Jordan Bennington playing above expectations maybe i mean my expectations are really high but if he just plays awesome hockey down the stretch they get into the playoffs i agree with you i think jordan bennington goaltending has been a big reason why the blues have been able to get to this point and they're the reason that they will get you into the playoffs and maybe even past the first round of the playoffs dan i agree with you i think jordan Cairo is the player that i'm looking at where it's not that he had a terrible first half of the season but it's just that your expectations are always going to be really high for a guy who's making as much money as he's getting and especially with as long as a contract that he has that that expectation goes up way way more Robert Thomas I believe he is performing to that level of what you were expecting for that contract Jordan Cairo I'm waiting for him to take that next step now he was doing pretty well going starting this year at the beginning but at that last game against Columbus guys how frustrating was that especially at the end you remember in that final minute of that loss against Columbus Jordan Cairo was just hesitant to shoot the puck from the circle on that six on five that is something that still is kind of confusing to me because I want to see consistency from him night in and night out I think anybody that wants to shoot the puck would be on my list. <laughs> yes, just I shoot think so. The puck. Yeah, yeah, just shoot. Well, how many times do you feel like you've said that this season? Is just shoot it. Every power play. <laughs> yes. Every power play. It seems like I'm screaming, "Shoot the puck!" Yeah. It, it, this is a hard question to answer because Jordan Cairo is capable of scoring 20 goals in the remaining 33 games for sure. But is there a chance that he scores 20 in the last 33 based on what we've seen this year? Is there any way that guy's scoring 20 in the last 33 no. games? And that's my point. If you're going based on what you've seen this year, mm-hmm. no, it's not going to happen. He's had 14 goals, 33 games left. If he gets to, let's say, 28 goals, then you have a chance, I think, mm-hmm. to get in the playoffs. Because he'd be a big part of your power play. He'd be a big part of a lot of what you try to do. He's got to be the player that you expected, like Brooks said. Right. Let me give you one more that I have, and that's Buchnevich, who has been more than a point-a-game guy in his first two seasons with the Blues. First year, uh, he had 60 uh, – first year with the Blues, uh, 76 points in 73 games. Last year, 67 points in 63. This year, he has 39 points in 47 games. He needs to be a point of game guy for the Blues mm-hmm. in these last 33 also for them. And not that he's ever been an LVP because he's played really well, but offensively, he needs to pick it up. I agree with you. From the through and four, the person or people that need to step up. One, Jordan Cairo. This is in order. Two, Tory Krug and Justin Falk. Love Falk, but he needs to be more on the offensive side of things. I agree with that. And I just... Uh, I don't I see it with Krug. I, I just either. don't, I, I, I just do, don't I, see it. I, I'm with you, Dan. I, I don't think he's capable anymore. Yeah. I, I, You know, he's a guy that you would love to see be better on the power play. Mm-hmm. The power play was abysmal, abysmal to start this season, and he's a big part of it. He's got to be better. And yeah. Now, if he has a great run with the final 33 games, then yeah, I agree. Then he's a big part of it to get you in the playoffs but i just i just don't see it anymore there's nothing i like more than being proven wrong about things like that for sure i hope he does but i just i'm just i'm like you i'm not seeing it i gotta have Cairo step up bennington play to the level even a little bit better than he has yep to steal you some games and a chance to sneak in the playoffs. Now, with Justin Falk, I do think that he is battling with some injuries, and that could be a big reason why. And I do agree with you that he needs to step up in the second half of the season. What do you think it is with Jordan Cairo where he can play more on a consistent level? Uh, from what I hear, he's just in in his own head. 
and he just needs to let it rip. I, I, we, you guys talked about shooting. That's what he does best as a hockey player. Just shoot the puck. He was snake bitten at the beginning of the yeah. season too, and that has a way to when you start a contract, and all of a sudden you're expected to be one of the top goal scorers on the team, and all of a sudden they're not dropping, so to speak, like a basketball term. You get into a funk, yeah, and it, it's at times been a funk for him this year. I thought after the Barubi situation, he came out, played hard, played a full, you know, played a a, a full game, and where you saw him back check, play defensively, but at times he's. You don't even notice him on the ice. I agree. I, I feel like he almost needs somebody to start him or light a fuse underneath him constantly. If Ron Caron, the late, great Ron Caron, were still around, he would say to Jordan Cairo, shoot the puck! <laughs> he would. That's what we're yeah. all saying. Yeah, from the press box, you'd be able to hear him. You shoot would. the puck! Yep. <laughs> well, that is our fresh take. Coming up, we have the fight, and we need a fighter. We do. Yeah. We need a fighter, okay. as always. If you want to fight Randy, text into our Air Comfort Service text line. That is 314-399-9646. 314-399-YO-HO. The fight coming up next here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome to the fight. In the red corner, average Joe listener. Alongside Danny Mac, Randy Carricker, and Matthew Rocchio, and it is now time for the fight. Our fighter today is Charlie. How are you doing today, Charlie? I'm doing great here from Kansas City, and I, I stream you every day. I love this show. It's a great show. Oh, thank you so much. I, I heard that you've been trying to get into the fight for a while now, right? <laughs> yeah, persistence is the key, you know? <laughs> Have you fought before with any, of the, with any of the afternoon drive or what we have going on in the mornings? I have not, but quick funny story. Um, a couple of years ago, you all were giving away uh, Rolling Stones tickets, and you were on the air, Danny, I remember that day. And I actually won them, but I'm thinking, well, I'm in Kansas City. How am I going to use these tickets? And then the, there's another guy that tied with me. I'm like, he can have them. So I did. It was kind of the fight, I think, but I think it was more just like a, a call-in type thing. Well, you're a kind man, and I, I'm going to be polling for you today then, Charlie. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, and thank awesome. you for listening. All right. You, guys are, yeah. you ready for question number one? Let's do it, yeah. There have been four players to win multiple World Series MVPs. Who is the only infielder to do so? Is it Paul Molitor, Derek Jeter, or Corey Seager? That's got to be Jeter. Is that your final answer? It is. Okay. Two NFL franchises have lost five different Super Bowls, the Patriots and which other team? Minnesota Vikings, Denver Broncos, Miami Dolphins. Cool. Well, I got to go. I think the Broncos lost. Uh, if I could do almost four, I'm going to go. I'm going to go uh, Broncos. Final answer, Charlie. It is Denver Broncos. Question three, please. Which wide receiver holds the all-time record for consecutive years, leading a team in catches with 13 straight years? Is it Larry Fitzgerald, Steve Largent, or Jerry Rice? <laughs> Have to decide between Rice and uh, and Fitzgerald. Gosh, 
I'm going to have to say Jerry Rice owns every wide receiver record. I got to go Jerry Rice. Okay, question four. Which former number one overall pick holds the record for the most losses as a starting QB? Matthew Stafford, Eli Manning, Vinny Testaverde. Wow. Uh, I don't think Testaverde played long enough to accumulate that many losses. Um, I'm going to say Stafford. Okay. That's that's rough years here in Detroit. How do you feel, Charlie? We're going to go get Randy right now. He's having and enjoying some grapes on this fine morning. Uh, How do you feel? You know what? I feel great because I'm on the air with you guys today, and that's it. Just makes my makes my day. So hey, whatever happens, it's, it's going to be fine with me. Ah, oh, that's Aww, kind. That's so nice. Randall, put on that headset and yes, say good sir. morning to Charlie. Charlie, good morning. How are you doing? Randy, how's it going? I listen to you every day. I I love your show. Oh, thank you very much. We appreciate it. Thank you very much for listening. That means a lot to us. And thanks for playing today. Glad you're able to. Thank you. Question number one. Ready. All right. There have been four players who win multiple World Series MVPs. Mm-hmm. Who is the only infielder to do so? Uh, I I would have to think it's Corey Seager, right? He, he won for the Doyers in 2020 and then won for the Rangers, if I'm not mistaken, this past year. I'm going to go with Corey Seager. Are you ready for question two, Randy? Ready, Dan. Mm-hmm. Two NFL franchises have lost five Super Bowls, the Patriots, and which other team? Oh, the Patriots have lost five. Uh, the We've Vikings, established that. Yeah, the Vikings <laughs> have lost four Super Bowls, Dan. The uh, Bills have lost four Super Bowls. Uh, the 49ers have not. The Steelers have not. I'm just trying to think. Uh, let's see. Uh, you had... Um, hmm... Rams haven't. Cardinals certainly haven't. Uh, let's go NFC South, no. NFC East, Giants, no. Eagles, no. Washington, no. They've lost two. Um, how about them Cowboys? Let's see. Uh, they lost to the Colts on the Jim O'Brien field goal in Super Bowl Five. They've lost to the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers twice. Come on, Randy. Get to the answer. You uh, know the answer, you, probably. You want to do? I'll do the lifeline. You want a lifeline? <laughs> sure. You want a lifeline? Yeah. If you, if time is of the essence, Dan. It is not of the essence. But I want you, if you know the answer, to I don't, belt I don't, it out. No, I, I don't know the answer right off the top of my head. Okay, um, you ready? Uh, well, let's let's uh, let me just uh, go through a couple of divisions here. Um, okay, so uh, how about Miami? They lost to Washington. They lost to San Francisco. They lost to Dallas. Uh, they lost the Woodley one. Um, I, I don't think it's Miami. So uh, out west, I'll do the lifeline. Minnesota Vikings. Four. Denver Broncos. Ah, uh, Broncos. Miami Dolphins. Uh, Broncos lost three in a row to NFC East teams in the 80s. They lost to the Cowboys in the 70s, 1977, and they lost to the Seattle Seahawks. I'm going to go Denver Broncos, sir. Denver Broncos, final answer? Final answer. Okay. Question three, please. Which wide receiver holds the all-time record for consecutive years leading a team in catches with 13 straight years? Uh, well, let's see. It's Let's see, Rice, 85, drafted, 95, 97. Could be him. Um, Isaac did not. 
Uh, just trying to think of Hall of Famers here. Swan and Stallworth did not because they were trading off. Uh, Terrell Owens did not. Um, I guess you have to throw Fitzgerald in there, but you have Bolden. Uh, uh, but I will... Uh, yeah, it seems like Larry Fitzgerald would have been logical because with Jerry, you had the year where he, right in the middle of his career, he tore up his knee. Uh, so I will go with uh, Larry Fitzgerald. Final answer, Randy? Final answer, Dan. Question four, please. Question four? Oh, I'm the one who reads I was it. Like, I was like, I will do I will do question four if you want me to. I was sidetracked. I, I, I totally understand. Are you ready, Randy? I'm ready, sir. <laughs> it, was just, it was a pregnant pause to make sure you were ready. Uh, which former number one overall pick holds the record for the most losses as a starting QB? Most losses as a starting quarterback. Former number one overall pick. Had to have played a lot of games. So we're narrowing it down to probably Elway, who lost a lot. Manning, who did not lose a lot. Uh, Jim Plunkett didn't play enough to lose a lot. Uh, Jamarcus Russell didn't play long enough to lose a lot. Uh, Let's see. It had to be somebody on a bad team. It wasn't the throw-in Samoan. Jack Thompson. Um, Maybe because he played a long time. Maybe, maybe Elway uh, had to. You had to play a long time to lose a lot. Let me just uh, toss this around in my brain for one second here. Uh, but, but I'm probably going to land with with Elway. Oh, uh, hold on, hold on. You know, I'm going to go with Vinny Testaverde. I'm going to go with Vinny Testaverde as the guy. Is this final answer, Randy? Yeah, final answer. All right, let's go through the answers. <laughs> we, have a win- we have a winner in today's fight. Ring that bell. Go crazy, folks! Go crazy! The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. The fight is driven by Car Shield. Plans to fit any budget. Visit carshield.com today. I'm sorry, Charlie. Randy Carragher hit the jack, and he beat you 4-1 to today. Oh, that's okay. I've got good company. He goes that. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> sorry, Charlie. Charlie, thank you so much for joining the fight and joining the show today. Thanks. Love the show. Keep it up. Thanks. Thank you very much. Thank you, Charlie. People already heard all the right answers, and we got to go. All right. Oh. Oh, yeah. We got... What do we got coming up? Oh, we got Katie Wu from The Athletic. Okay, people, you already heard all the answers. I don't remember what they were, but Katie Wu <laughs> joins us next to talk some Cardinal Baseball on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Grimsley, Dan McLaughlin, Randy Carricker, opening drive 101 ESPN, and our friend Katie Wu from The Athletic joins us now to talk some Cardinal baseball and other things. Katie, good morning. How are you doing? Good morning to three of my friends. So nice to be talking to you. And, of course, a big congratulations to you, Randy, on your induction to the St. Louis uh, Hall of Fame. You're incredible. Thank you very much. That's so nice of you, Katie. I, I appreciate it. And uh, you are 
going to be a Hall of Famer too. Your your work is amazing, and I, I oh, feel I the same. Way, no, I, I feel the same way about your work that you feel about mine. What, what you do is amazing. But I know you're really looking forward to the Super Bowl for a couple of reasons. Are I you am. are you a big time 49er fan? So I wouldn't say uh, a big time diehard. Um, however, since my my ability to root for baseball teams has been more or less squashed for the last five years, <laughs> I've adopted the 49ers. I will say, though, not the best planning I've ever done, Randy. My flight to Jupiter for spring training is on Super Bowl Sunday, and not much I can do to change it. So we're just going to hope it's on time, and I arrive there in time for the Super Bowl and, you know, eventually spring training. But Super Bowl first. Okay, so now the big question. Not a huge 49er fan, but you like him. You grew up in the area. But you are a huge Taylor Swift fan. So who you got? You got Kelsey and the Chiefs or the 49ers from your home area? I think the 49ers, because Taylor's already won with this new (laughs) album she's dropping on April 19th. Yes, I know the exact date. So she's already won. And um, I, I think I think my fellow Bay Area people are due for some love this weekend. So sorry to all my Chiefs fans out there. And sorry, Taylor. I still love you. But I'm going Niners here. All right. And then one more thing. From Katie Wu, you uh, text, you tweeted this uh, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, in light of recent events, I feel compelled to draw attention back oh, to God. this announcement, right? You are all actually <laughs> not allowed to yell at me until pitchers and catchers report. Sorry, these are the rules. So next week, people can yell at you again? Let me let me say this, Randy. Every time you leave, if you tweeted this, I, I get some anxiety because I'm like, what did I put on the internet this time? Um, yes, I guess those are the rules. Um, thank you for the reminder that I put that out there. So a week from today, people are allowed to yell at me, but be nice. Be nice about it. <laughs> that's, that's so good, Katie. When I saw that, I was like, yes, Katie deserves a little bit of a break from people. Because I think a lot of people just want to put their frustrations out on you because you're writing out the stories. Isn't that the feeling of it? And that's okay. And, you know, that's why I did this survey. And let me tell you, I think um, I think it was a therapy session for a lot of fans. And I'm glad that so many people did it because it felt like more like they were just yelling into air rather than yelling at me directly. And, like, look, I can take it. It's fine. I like joking around with my, my beloved Twitter followers. But the survey, I think, was a, a better indication of how the fan base feels. And it was kind of separated into just a different kind of outlet. So I was glad to see so much participation in in that one. And that's what I was going to ask you about, because there's very interesting and surprising results that came out with that survey that you mentioned that is out on The Athletic right now. And you had a lot of good questions on there, including how do you feel about the state of the franchise? What was the most surprising result of that survey that you saw? So I'm pulling up the, the stats right now, and I expected just based on what I've heard for the last four months for fans to be more fairly pessimistic or very pessimistic than they were now fairly pessimistic won the majority vote with 38.3%, but 20% and uh, fans were fairly optimistic and 28% were neutral. And that was a little bit higher than I expected. You know, recency bias is a big thing and Cardinals fans hadn't had a season like 2023 in over 30 years, so I was expecting confidence to drop. And don't get me wrong, it has, but not necessarily to the extent that I was really expecting just based on the overall vibe of the 2023 season. So don't get me wrong, still, I think the, the fan base still is pretty much like show me that this is going to work, but it's not as, as dire as I thought it would have been. What do you think, Katie, is the, the biggest question going into spring? Oh, um, 
Well, I think the obvious answer is the rotation, right? What is that going to look like? Is it enough? You know, I, I feel like everyone's pretty confident in Sonny Gray, and rightfully so. He's a top-five pitcher last year, top-five pitcher available in free agency. Can he headline this rotation and be their ace? I absolutely believe so. What about the other four? You know, what does Miles Michaelis look like this year? Is he going to bounce back and be more of a 2022 version? We know Miles is going to go out there and post innings, but what about the quality of those innings? And we can ask that same question for Stephen Matz, Lance Lynn, and Kyle Gibson. So once again, coming into spring, the biggest question is the rotation. Surprise, surprise. It's the new Cardinal way. But there are um, a couple of other underlying questions, including where's Tommy Edmonds' health at? How is Mason Wynn going to hit this spring? And what does the bullpen look like? So I'm looking forward to getting out there and I'm trying to explore a little bit more of that. Katie Wu from The Athletic has a great piece up, the Cardinal Fan Survey, and you can check it out at The Athletic. Katie, in a society that is generally devoid of understanding nuance, I really appreciate your readers because there was this question, how would you rate the job Bill DeWitt Jr. has done during his tenure as owner from 1996 until now? About 60% of the people said above average or excellent. But then, two questions later, how confident are you in ownership? And 45% say not very confident or not confident at all. It seems to me, judging by the reaction to those two questions and looking at the nuance, that people appreciate the job that Bill DeWitt has done to this point, but they aren't happy with the job that he's doing right now and not confident in his abilities. Is that what you read into those? Yes, I think that's a completely fair takeaway. And look, when you look at the DeWitt tenures for the last 27 going on 28 years, it's pretty remarkable, not just in a baseball standpoint, but for professional sports. And it is completely fair to look at the almost three decades of work and objectively say that's a, that's an impressive tenure. But it's also fair to say, given the Cardinals' success or lack thereof in the postseason over the last five years, and the spending habits of the organization, and we can get into whether or not the Cardinals should spend or not. That's an entirely different debate. It's also fair for fans to say it hasn't been good enough lately. And 2023, the Cardinals are at least hoping, was a horrible anomaly and something that happens once every three decades. But fans are looking at the current trends of what the team does in the postseason. I mean, keep in mind the last time the Cardinals won a postseason series was the NLGS in 2019. I have never covered a Cardinals playoff win in my tenure as a beat writer. Uh, Maybe it's me. I don't know. But um, (laughs) I think think it's fair to say, (laughs) I think it's fair to say you can look at the DeWitt ownership and say it's been pretty remarkable, but also as fans want something more so that they can continue that legacy because it is dropping off a little bit just based on the overall success of the club over the last five years. Well, Katie, I know something that could make fans really happy. At least I think that it would make fans really happy. Of course, the Royals signing their young star shortstop in Bobby Wood Jr. the other day, a guaranteed 11-year, $288 million extension. Do you see the Cardinals doing the same for Jordan Walker here soon, or will they wait? Well, according to the fan survey, 50% of them really want that to happen. Um, And I can understandably see why. I think they're going to wait. And I'm not saying they're not going to explore the idea. But Jordan is so young. He has just one year in the major leagues. And he adapted incredibly well to a really tough situation throughout his rookie year, both team-wise, personally, everything I think Jordan handled in a way that most 21-year-olds couldn't. I don't necessarily know if it's on that on their radar. Obviously, the Cardinals seem to do an extension every spring. Um, I don't know if Tommy Edmonds' extension counts in this regard, but I think if they're looking at extension candidates right now, they're more likely to look at a Paul Goldschmidt one. 
I was a little bit surprised that Lars Nupar didn't see more love because that seems like another logical one that they could do, especially as Lars approaches his arbitration year soon. Um, but Jordan Walker, I mean, it's not that the Cardinals are opposed to do, to extending Jordan if they get to that conversation. It would just be a very un-Cardinal-like thing to do. Their extensions usually happen when players approach their arbitration years. Think Paul DeYoung, think Giovanni Gallegos, think Tommy Edmond. Those are the kinds of deals that they usually make. Of course, you can never say never. Jordan Walker is a special talent, but I'm not sure if they're there yet. Katie, according to the people that responded to your poll, there doesn't seem to be an awful lot of confidence in Ollie and the coaching staff at this point. It, yeah, it was not the most positive area of the survey. I will say that. It did elicit the most write-in answers, though. So <laughs> there is that. Um, look, I get it. Someone has to answer in the eyes of the fans to 91 losses and – I'm not sure if Ollie did himself any favors with the fan base and calling out Tyler O'Neill on the fifth game of the season, but and I'm not sure if, if that helped his relationship with Tyler at all, but I, I can say that the clubhouse really moved past it pretty quickly. The fan base is having trouble doing that, and when you add that on top of the snowball effect of 2023, and then yes, fan base confidence uh, wavers, as we've seen. Now, what happens if Ollie Marmel comes back and puts together a campaign that's similar to 2022. Are we changing our tune? Because then it's two out of three years where it's been more success over less success. And I think that's why this year is so pivotal. Obviously, the contract negotiation or the contracts and, and his overall status of his future are hanging up in the air. But this is kind of a prove it year for everyone in the organization, especially Ollie. He has a different roster, completely different bullpen, different rotation. You know, that projected opening day starting lineup is going to be pretty much the same. But it's now what can him and his staff, with the addition of Daniel Descalso and Dusty Blake on the pitching side, getting some help with an additional pitching coach hire, what can they do to ensure 2023 didn't happen again? And if Ollie and his coaching staff have a year similar to 2022, how do you as a fan feel about that? Are you more confident? Are you buying in? Or are you just kind of whatever about it? Katie, the signing of Matt Carpenter has been a lightning rod of talk here in town. What did you think of the move and how it plays out? Oh, it sure has. Um, that that was probably my my scariest day of the offseason, Dan, because I, full disclosure, had no idea it was coming. So here I am at Cost Plus World Market enjoying my Friday coffee in hand, <laughs> and I get an email from the Cardinals, and I was like, what? What is going on here? Uh, lightning rod is a, is a perfect word to, or phrase to describe that, that signing. And I've never seen so much outrage over a 26th man on the roster before, it's not like Matt Carpenter is taking spots away from anyone. Now, if, the, if Major League Baseball still installed a 25-man roster, then we could have this argument. But it's a 26-man roster. He's here. He's not going to see a lot of at-bats. Of course, he's going to compete for them. But he's not taking away development from other players. Alex Burleson is still have a, has a fair chance to make the roster. So does Dylan Carlson. It's, to me... If you're going to make your veterans happy like Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt and bring in Matt Carpenter, who knows the Cardinals and knows what it takes to establish winning baseball in that culture, something that the Cardinals, both the coaches, front office, and the players were pretty clear that they needed to help reinstall that, I get it. Now, if Matt Carpenter is playing every day in the starting lineup, which he won't be, but if he is, then I can understand fans' frustration. But this is nothing more than a 26-man signing. And let's look at the Cardinals bench. If St. Louis didn't sign Carp. You know the bench right now is probably going to be Herrera, Carlson, Burleson. Who's that last guy? 
Luke and Baker, Jose Fermin, Michael Ciani. I mean, I know there's a lot of Baker fans out there, but is he really going to develop to his true potential, seeing it best as the 26th man? Probably not. So you bring in Matt Carpenter, someone who's okay with a reduced role, someone who's okay in not seeing the field every day, someone who is essentially going to play the role that Taylor Motter did, right? Except Taylor Motter actually ended up playing a little bit more injuries. But if the roster stays how the Cardinals are hoping, if everyone stays healthy, Matt Carpenter is the 26th man, and it really, to me, was a bit of a shock that it was such a big deal. But, hey, you know, everyone's entitled to their own opinion. Well said and well explained, Katie Wu. A rule here for opening drive nation, no yelling at Katie Wu. This is uh, <laughs> a uh, new pillar. It's just it's going to be a rule, and we aren't going to put up with people yelling at you. No yelling until next week, till pitchers and catchers. Yeah. And then fire away. Yeah. Hey, have a, a great spring. Enjoy your, yourself down in Jupiter. Are, are you going to bring your clubs with you? Um, I, I'm doing two stints in Jupiter. So the second stint, I'm bringing my clubs. First stint, however, I have really gotten into pickleball. I played exactly one time, but I am obsessed with it. So I bought the whole St. Louis Riders beat a pickleball set. Oh. Uh, it is, it's, it's hot pink. It's so cute. And we will be playing pickleball. Whether they like it or not, we're playing pickleball afterwards. That's fantastic. Have a great time. We'll talk to you while you're down there, and uh, we'll talk soon. Thanks, Katie. You got it, guys. Talk later. See you later. That's the great Katie Wu of The Athletic. Um, 101 ESPN. And if you have not subscribed to The Athletic, Katie's work is magnificent. Jeremy Rutherford's work is spectacular at The Athletic. It is a must-subscribe if you're a sports fan in St. Louis. It is. And now I feel like we need to have a group media pickleball tournament. I would agree with that. By the way, have you guys seen MLB and Netflix are doing their own version of the NFL's, we talked about this the other day, Hard Knocks this season. Oh. Netflix uh, spending the 2024 year with the Boston Red Sox for a docu-series. And then they're going to have a documentary on the 2004 uh, World Championship team, which beat the Cardinals. Great. That's been reported by Bob Nightingale. Ooh. What's the name of that stupid Jimmy Fallon, Drew Barrymore movie? Fever Pitch. Fever Pitch. Uh. Stupid. <laughs> Stupid movie. You didn't like that movie. You know, they, they went on the field, actually, at Bush I Stadium know. at the end. I hate them. What was uh, cool? It's a strong word. I, I strongly dislike them. You know what was cool, though, is Cardinal fans inviting Red Sox fans to come down, celebrate, and be close to the team. I mean, that just that's class, man. We were classy, yeah. Except, except for the way we treated Keith Kachuk. Yeah, well, he took it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he took it well. But yeah, he was he was a, a Sox fan, and he, he grew up a Sox fan. He should be. Yeah. But, uh, the, yeah, that I just didn't like them running on. I didn't like Drew Barrymore and J- Jimmy Fallon running on the field after the game. That's I agree. Why it was a I didn't like it either. <laughs> uh, coming up, we've got a quick, quick rush hour reset, and then our friend, the Hall of Famer Aeneas Williams, at nine fifteen here on one hundred and one ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs. Live with a Rush Hour Reset. Time for a quick Rush Hour Reset here on 101 ESPN. Aeneas Williams is coming up in just a few minutes. Brooke, Dan, and Randy. Super Bowl 58 is Sunday in Las Vegas. And uh, obviously, the media is spending a lot of time with the players. And there have been some fun quotes over the course of the last couple of days, Brooke. There's been a lot of good quotes, but then there's been a lot of interesting or bad quotes. We're going to start with this one with Andy Reid yesterday. 
Goldish, right here. Yep. Gotcha. Uh, question from Germany. Yes. Um, as you said before, um, times have changed a lot. Uh, the internet, mobile phones. Um, what do you say about the conspiracies that uh, have popped up concerning Charles Kelsey and Taylor Swift, like some kind of Republican conspiracies that you guys made it into the Super Bowl to actually secretly re-elect or help re-elect President Biden? Mm. That's, that's way out of my league. You, if you could have seen Andy Reid's face in that video, and I get it, you know, this is a reporter from Germany. We're talking about making the sport a little bit more international and appealing to a lot of different fans, but that is a very interesting question, to yeah, say the is. least. Yeah. How, how does he political. respond to that? It's a question that had to be asked. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Did it really? Yeah, I don't not. know. Are there people wondering this? Yeah. And then you have another one, because, Randy, I actually sent this to you yesterday. There was a meme going around talking about how Brock Purdy looks like Lee Harvey Oswald. So a reporter made sure to ask Brock Purdy about what he thinks about that. Pictures of you and, and uh, Lee Harvey Oswald circling around the internet right now. People think you two look alike. Did you ever hear that before? I haven't. That's my first time hearing it. Yeah. What do you think about that comparison? Uh, Physical comparison, obviously. Eh, yeah. You don't see it. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. 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 Asking that, and, and, and look, I get that now you have so many clips that go viral, so maybe you could have gotten a really good answer out of him on that, and that's probably part of the reason you asked some of those questions, but then you could also get a response like that where he is just perplexed and is trying to focus on Super Bowl weekend, and he's getting asked why he looks like Lee Harvey Oswald. How do you quote that in the paper? Exactly. But one of the things that they run into in Super Bowl week is many of the reporters are not sports reporters. They aren't there to ask about football questions. That person clearly was not there to talk about football. They wanted to talk about something else. And, you know, the, the, the conspiracy theories, you know, those people are out there and they want answers and they want answers now, damn it. And Andy <laughs> Reid just wasn't prepared to give it because he says it's above his pay grade. I guarantee you he's involved. There's a couple of uh, baseball notes. I don't know if you guys saw this. Clayton Kershaw signed, re-signed with the Dodgers. 400-plus starts for the Dodgers None for anybody else. The only other Dodger to do that is Don Drysdale. How about that? That's pretty amazing. And uh, Jose Otuve got an extension for five years, 125. Good for them. Mm. Uh, if there's such thing as a red jacket or whatever, blue jacket and orange jacket in Houston, Altuve is top of the list. He'll play his entire career like Bagwell and Biggio did for them. And uh, he will... Oh, we're getting pounding here. Somebody is somebody oh, banging uh, a trash yeah, can around uh, us? I think a fastball's coming, yeah. Oh, <laughs> He may get a Hall of Fame jacket. Yeah, he, he's a Hall of Famer. So he's got, if he averages 159 hits in six years, he gets to 3,000. So he's got a shot. Yeah, he really does. And uh, good job, by the way, uh, by the Astros for keeping him around, Jim Crane and, and their staff, because he's as important to their franchise as Ozzie Smith was important to the Cardinals. He's he's homegrown. They signed him as an undrafted free agent. Ed Wade actually brought him in there. And he's Randy, been there they forever. turned him away from his first tryout. They said he was too small. Yeah, he, well, he's really small. And now he'll be only, I think, the second second baseman to receive or earn over $300 million. Wow. That's hard to believe, too. First? I'm not sure. I thought it was Cano, but yeah, I'm not he, positive yeah, on that. My, interesting. Good stuff. So there's your Rush Hour Reset here on 101 ESPN. We're going to find out. The bulletin apparently official. Francisco Lindor? Oh, yeah. There you go. Lindor, 340 or whatever he's getting. Yeah. So, But he's at short. 
Oh, oh yeah, Lindor's a shortstop. Yeah, so uh, not uh, Mark Grizzolanik. No, he but he had a good year in 05 he, with the Cardinals. He, really good. he hit for the cycle. He hit for the cycle in a yeah. day game against the Milwaukee Brewers. He did, yeah. Coming yeah. up, our friend, the Hall of Famer, and one of the nicest people that you'll ever hear, Aeneas Williams, joins us next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. The Hall of Famer Aeneas Williams, as you know, when people are traveling, and Aeneas is traveling this morning, there can always be issues. So uh, if we don't get him now, uh, we'll get him either tomorrow or maybe later on in this show. But what we'll do is we'll flip uh, segments right now. And one of the things that we asked yesterday was, has the Hockey Winter Classic, which the Blues are apparently going to be involved with next year, it's going to be officially announced today, if it hasn't already been announced, that the Blues are going to play in next year's Winter Classic against the Chicago Blackhawks at Wrigley Field in Chicago. This year, there were a lot of things going on with the Winter Classic. It was going against the college championship games. Was it on TNT? I think it was. It really wasn't heavily promoted. Didn't get very good TV ratings. And now that they're going back to Wrigley Field for the second time and everybody pretty much has played in a Winter Classic, the question popped up, has the Winter Classic run its course? I like the idea of the Winter Classic. I enjoyed a lot. I think it's a very cool and interesting thing to watch. I imagine if you actually go, and I'm sure somebody could text in if they have been able to go to a Winter Classic before, it looks like it would be a lot of fun, a lot of fanfare around it. My only thing is that they don't promote it that well. Sometimes I feel like, oh, I forgot that this was happening Mm -hmm. or I didn't even know that this was happening and all of a sudden it pops up. And as you mentioned, the Blackhawks have already had this. This is their third time in a Winter Classic game, as you mentioned, twice at Wrigley and another one at Notre Dame. And I would like to see different teams. Now, what I am looking forward to, because I'm very excited that the Blues are a part of this, I do think if you're going to try to make it interesting, promote it really well, then it needs to be a rivalry game. And I do think mm-hmm. that the Blues and Blackhawks are still a really good rivalry, especially with Connor Bedard and hopefully the addition of Jimmy Snuggaroo next season. I would love to see an all-day event make it a neutral site and start at like eight in the morning and start putting all the rivalries together i don't care if it's a double header of it but start and it's hockey day in north america and you have hockey all day even a late game started at 10 i don't care but to put i know it'd be logistically very tough to do but i'd love to see an all-day hockey day and put it Blues, Blackhawks, put the Canadian teams against each other, but make it not only just a winter classic for the two teams, which then becomes very regional, and I think it's hard to get national eyeballs on it. And it might be hard to get national eyeballs on a hockey day in North America, but I'd love to see something like that. Does it matter? Do you care if fans are in the, if there are stands and fans? Yes. Yes, I feel like it. Ne- it would. It would look really weird if there weren't fans couple, there. A couple of years ago, during the pandemic, they played in Tahoe, and it was beautiful. It was scenic. And to I talk it was about cool. your plan, they did it over the course of two days. Only two games in two days. But to your point, Dan, if you wanted to put four or five team, four or five games, ten teams in Tahoe, and it looked cool, but you didn't have fans, and maybe you could just get two thousand. You know, set up bleachers for two or two or three thousand people, and just put some metal bleachers in there. I think that'd be really cool. Would you do it at a um, 
a different site. So don't go to Wrigley Field. Don't go to Bush Stadium. Go to a place that never has had a hockey team. They they may love hockey. You know, it may be a great college venue. Go mm-hmm. to. Go to Michigan. Go to somewhere like that and put it in a huge stadium and see what you can do with an all-day event. How about Wayne Gretzky's childhood home where Walter Gretzky built a rink for him in the backyard? That would be cool. That would be so cool because I loved the MLB Field of Dreams game Mm -hmm. and how they did that and how Mm -hmm. they played up. And there weren't that many fans that were there. That would be like the hottest ticket to get if you were able to go to that. If you do do something like that where you kind of make your own rink and have maybe a few select group of people who are there to come... That would be so interesting to watch. And there are so many now opportunities. You could play here, whether it's at Centene or out in Chesterfield. You don't have the rink where Matthew and Brady could chuck. But how about having a game with either Matthew or Brady at one of the, the youth rinks in St. Louis? Or the, the rink where Austin Matthews learned how to play in Scottsdale and, sure. and have Toronto visit the Coyotes, which would draw the same amount of people uh, because they're playing, <laughs> right? right? <laughs> I, I think there are so many creative ways to go about this. Just, I think we all agree, you don't need to have 30,000 fans. I think you could do it with... 3,000 fans and still have it be a really compelling piece of programming. I think you could do it. uh, I love the idea of going back to somebody's home. I don't know where they're all going to shower, but, you know, I'm not worried about that. Logistically, I think we can make this thing work. NHL's got a lot of money. I don't know. I'm just trying to think outside the box to where you get more casual fans to enjoy it and do something really different. with Because the Winter Classic, to me, if the two teams are in it, the cities are interested. I'm not sure it's getting the national appeal that it once did. That's exactly what it is. It's only the cities that are interested. Uh, Blues and Blackhawks, St. Louis and Chicago will be interested next year. Nobody else will. No. No. Unless you want to see Connor Bedard, which will yeah. be really excited. And hopefully Sh- Jimmy Snuggerud as well. Yeah. But back to your point where you're talking about Austin Matthews and having something there. Another thing that I think the NHL sometimes doesn't do that well of a job of is really promoting their players, their personalities. Of course, if you're a huge hockey fan, you know some of the big names. Mm-hmm. But I'm talking about making them and bringing them up in a bigger audience. And a good way to do that is having those personal stories where they can really connect. If you have that home rink mm-hmm. ex- explanation of how that really works and how he grew up, I think that would be a great way to really promote the players. I know this would be really hard for hockey to stomach. But one another thing they should do, and this isn't in regards to the Winter Classic necessarily, but if you're playing three-on-three in the All-Star game, why do you have guys wearing helmets? I, You know what? That is a legitimate point to be made where you see some football players without mm-hmm. their helmet when they go to the sideline, but mm-hmm. you do wonder what these guys look like yeah. in trying to promote the sport and get individuals um, that are showcased to the general public. I, I That's legitimate, man. I like that. Yeah. That, when we, we know who Gretzky is, right? But in the 70s, when I was growing up watching hockey and guys didn't wear helmets, you knew everybody because mm-hmm. of you, you saw their face. You, you knew what they looked like. Don't you think it'd be an insurance nightmare, though? Oh, do something it, like that's that. why it'd be hard for them to stomach, yeah. Yeah. So, Take it, a slap shot off the head and they say, well, well we see, were able to show his face. But that's the thing about the the All-Star game the other day. Nobody was trying. Nobody was no. shooting hard. Everybody was just kind of skating around. So, was, How bad was the thing with Nikita Kucherov? Yeah, there that exactly. Who needed a helmet when he had the puck? And he wasn't skating. <laughs> no. It barely skating. Yeah. That was a bad look. It, it was. was. I thought that was a bad look for the league and a bad look for him. Yeah. If, if you don't want to be in it, just take yourself out of it and say, I'm dealing with a bum knee. But to sit there and, you know, not 
go 100%. I just thought that was a bad look. Yeah, I'm with you 100%. Coming up, we've got uh, Super Bowl 58 coming up. A little bit more from that. Plus, the Eagles are going to play in Brazil to start next season. Is that a good move by the the NFL? That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Tire and Auto Centers. We've got a fun fact for you. You probably knew already that the Cowboys, who lost Dan Quinn, their defensive coordinator, to be the head coach of the Washington Commanders, uh, the Cowboys have already interviewed former Panthers and Commanders coach Ron Rivera to be their defensive coordinator. They also interviewed their former defensive coordinator and Vikings head coach Mike Zimmer to be their defensive coordinator. Now a report from Josina Anderson of CBS Sports that Rex Ryan former Jets and Bills head coach, former Ravens defensive coordinator, and now of ESPN, has interviewed to be Jerry Jones' defensive coordinator with the Cowboys. Rex Ryan. Really? He'd have the best teeth in the business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> That's so true. Yeah. Wow. That is interesting. I have enjoyed him, honestly. And I said this not too long ago. I have enjoyed his analysis and the way that he breaks down games on TV. I, I'm very surprised that he would want... Does it surprise you guys that he wants to return? Because I was going to say it surprises me. I think it's still in the blood of every coach mm-hmm. until they hit a certain age and then they say the hell with it. But I, I it doesn't surprise me. And they retread these guys all the time. And that's yeah. why it doesn't surprise me. Me either. He, uh, Even though he's been on TV, he's always been just a couple of feet away. Oh, stop. Randy. Foot fetish for no. Mr. Ryan. Yeah, yeah. He likes he likes his feet. Are you guys surprised Eric Bieniemy doesn't have a job? St- stunned. Yes. And the, the commanders fired him. And I I would love to know what the NFL has on or against Eric Bieniemy. That they don't even want him on their staffs anymore, let alone being the head coach. 19 interviews to be a head coach for Eric Bieniemy. He never got a head coaching job. Why do they not like him? Is he a product? Do you think they feel he's a product of Mahomes and the Kansas City offense? Well, that was one of the reasons that he wound up in Washington, but the Washington offense got better with him there. Now, it could be that in this day and age, he coaches people too hard. He's apparently an abrasive sort and wants people to be great, but Mike Martz was abrasive, and why was The Greatest Show on Turf great? Because the attention to detail was exquisite and that's what Eric Bieniemy demands. I just think it's crazy that he is not being a head coach or considered to be a head coach after two Super Bowls and what was it seven straight AFC West titles for him. I think that he should get more consideration. And Randy, when you pointed out the details, I think that that's something that you noticed with the Kansas City Chiefs offense this season mm-hmm. was the missed details because of all the drops that you've seen, some of the miscues that you see. I know that it has a lot to do with not having the level of talent that they have had prior offensively for Patrick Mahomes and his weapons, but at the same time, I'm surprised he's not getting that consideration. Is this almost like the Mike Vrabel story where his stature or his presence is a little too intimidating for some of these GMs? And maybe for a head coach. Maybe coaches are afraid of looking over their shoulder at a guy who's capable of being a head coach if they get fired. If he's abrasive, I'd love it. Me too. I mean, if I'm an owner, I say, come on in, because there's a reason the previous guy got fired. So come on in and clean this thing up. We had Dick Vermeil on yesterday, and Dick Vermeil always made it a point to hire people that told him what he needed to hear, not what he wanted to hear. Sure. And I think Eric, that's Eric Bieniemy, A secure guy like Andy Reid, he has no problem being told what he needs to hear, and that's one of the reasons that they're really good. And he, he actually advocates for that within the building. 
And one of the reasons that franchises go stale is because people tiptoe around the head coach or the general manager and tell them what they want to hear rather than what they need to hear. All right, take it or leave it that Pete Carroll, Bill Belichick, Mike Vrabel will be head coaches next season when a next uh, circle or cycle comes around. I will take Vrabel. I think with Carroll and Bill Belichick, I think their age could hold them back. Ageism is a thing. It no is. Doubt about it's it. happening. And it should. It, it, I don't know what Pete Carroll's situation is, but if it's true that Bill Belichick walked into his interview with the Falcons and said, look, you got to get rid of Rich McKay because I need to be in charge, and you have to change your scouting staff because I need my scouting staff, and you know he's going to be 72, and in three years you're going to have to blow everything up again, why would you do that? I would say Vrabel, to Brooks Point, definitely gets hired, no matter how tall or how strong he is, which is an unbelievable report that mm-hmm. he intimidated some. So what he intimidated a GM because he was too big. Yeah, yeah, big that's fella. ridiculous. Yeah, that it's kind of funny. Do you guys believe that? No, mm-hmm. I, I don't believe that's the case either. But it was written about. Andy Reid's big. He's doing okay. <laughs> yeah, he's big. Dan Campbell's big. Yeah. I, it, I think it's definitely just more of the presence thing, probably, is yeah. intimidating. But as you guys said, I don't see that that shouldn't be a threat. You should want somebody who is going to lead men, and you have to have that strong presence in order to do that. Right. And it, it's hard, I know, for these owners to pick out somebody who has charisma. The, it seems to me that the, the GMs especially want somebody who's just malleable, somebody that will do what they want them to do, rather than somebody who has a strong personality like uh, a Bill Parcells or like uh, a Bill Belichick, for better or worse. They don't want somebody with that strong personality that wants to to run the show. I I still think Belichick gets back in next year, but I do Mm -hmm. think part of it has to be his persona on television. As crazy as that sounds, I, I think he needs to come across as a likable figure and someone that's not a dictator if he gets in that position. Yeah, just take the tater out of it and just, yeah, he can't be that if he's in that position. I, I picked up on what you're saying, Thank Randy, you. but we're trying to stay on the air. Yeah, okay. Thank you, Dan. <laughs> uh, hey, 101 ESPN is your chance to win a pair of single-session passes for the 2024 State Farm Missouri Valley Conference Men's Basketball Tournament Arch Madness. The annual MVC tournaments, March 7th through 10th at Enterprise Center. All session and single session tickets are on sale now. And you can learn more about the MVC tournament and register to win tickets at 101ESPN.com or on the 101 mobile app. You can also, right now, win tickets from us. Just text into the Air Comfort Service text line 314-399-9646. 314-399-YOHO! If you'd like to win tickets and answer this question from Matthew correctly. I want these tickets going to a college basketball fan. Randy, so I just want to make sure you're watching college basketball this year. Name me one of the two teams right now that only has two losses in college basketball. There you go. Name me one of the two teams that currently only has two losses in college basketball. They are conveniently right now ranked pretty high in the standings, just shockingly enough. Let's take Texture 7. Texture 7. Because we might not get there for a while. <laughs> okay. Uh, and uh, you can also, on Friday morning, help heat up St. Louis during our 24th annual Hardee's Rise and Shine fundraiser. Stop by any participating Hardee's in the Bi-State area Friday morning and grab a sausage biscuit or egg biscuit for just a buck. 100% of the proceeds of all funds collected help heat up St. Louis, supporting people in need in both Missouri and Illinois. This Friday morning, any participating Hardee's, find more info at 101ESPN.com. Hubbard Radio will be out there. We're proud to help out Heat Up St. Louis. Coming up here on 101 ESPN, we are going to connect with our friend Aeneas Williams here on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening.
opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Dan McLaughlin, I'm Randy Carricker, and I didn't know this morning if I was going to have a great day, but I know I'm having a great day now because the Hall of Famer Aeneas Williams joins us on the Celebrity Line on 101 ESPN. Good morning, Aeneas. How are you? I am doing fantastic. Thanks for having me on, Randy, Dan, Dan and Brooke. Good morning. I uh, always love to have you on. Are you headed to Vegas for the Super Bowl? I am headed to Vegas. I'm just finishing up last night the Jim Thorpe Award slash Aeneas Williams Award was last night. Had a great time here in Oklahoma City and heading to Vegas right now. How much pride, because uh, I know, but I want you to tell everybody that's listening, how much pride you take in that Aeneas Williams Award? Well, it's not so much pride, uh, Randy, and I understand what you mean by that, but it's, it's, I take a whole lot of humility because a lot of times when your award is named after you, most times people are, are deceased. But to be alive and see uh, Kenny Gallup uh, Jr. from Howard University, the top defensive back in all the HBCU uh, football this year, it's just exciting. This is the second year, and along with Trey Taylor, who won the Payton Jim Thorpe Award, it's just humbling, Randy. It's really humbling. Well, congratulations on all your success with your award. It sounds amazing. Of course, I have to ask you, since you're heading out to the Super Bowl, who do you have? Is it going to be the 49ers or the Chiefs? I have the Chiefs. And why is that? I don't have the New England Patriots. I have the Chiefs. Thank you. Thank you, Anis. (laughs) (laughs) And why are you feeling the Chiefs? I'll tell you why. Uh, Randy is the best head coach out of the two coaches. Obviously, Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback. And the Chiefs have the best defense. This is the best defense Patrick Mahomes has ever had. And to see them go on the road, uh, beat Buffalo and the Ravens, and now having to play the 49ers, looking forward to uh, hopefully a good game, but uh, definitely the Kansas City Chiefs. Aeneas, from a player's perspective, what is the preparation like during Super Bowl week? Well, one, the number one thing is to, to help players stay focused because all the ancillary, all the tickets and all those kind of things, uh, basically the main reason people feel is broken focus. So I'm quite sure Andy Reid and, and uh, Kansas City Chiefs, they're going to be prepared. And Kyle Shanahan, he'll have this team prepared in terms of focus. This is a business trip. This is uh, you do your media interviews and things like that. Have a little fun with your family, but make sure you remind the guys this is an opportunity. It's not anything different from uh, the preparation that champions have, regardless whether it's the regular season playoffs or not. It's just more people watching this, so that's what I'm looking forward to. While Patrick Mahomes is, of course, Patrick Mahomes, he's always going to be the star of the Chiefs. I do feel like the Chiefs' defense deserves a lot of credit this season. They've been a huge bright spot. How do you see them stacking up against the 49ers? It goes now to Steve Spagnuolo, even though he may have not done well with the Rams as a head coach. When it comes down to a defense coordinator, you're talking about the guy that was with the Giants and literally beat an undefeated team, uh, with the Patriots. So, for Randy, Steve Spagnuolo should really be in your Christmas 
He is. Uh, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) And so, Brooke, having him on the sideline and seeing how he he pretty much neutralized uh, Lamar Jackson and as well as Josh uh, Allen, and now a great Kyle Shanahan, very good, particularly offensive-minded coach. But Spagnolo and what you're saying, Brooke, they've not gotten the credit uh, that they should get, and that is a dominating defense. And that's why I'm really excited about the Chiefs uh, possibly winning this game. Pastor Aeneas Williams with us on 101 ESPN. And you can learn more, by the way, about uh, Aeneas and Tracy Williams Church at thespiritchurch.org, thespiritchurch.org. Aeneas, tomorrow night, the new Hall of Famers are going to be revealed. Uh, You went against the best of the best during your Hall of Fame career, but also in practice during training camp. You went against Torrey Holt. You saw enough of him, obviously, during your regular season practices for four years. Why should Torrey Holt be in the Hall of Fame? Because when it comes down to what we call number one receivers, really the greatest show on turf, obviously you know about Osh, you remember Ricky and Tony Horn. But one and one eight, notice I said that, one and one eight, and obviously there's no slight on Isaac, one and one eight. When you have two guys where you have to find a way to put your number one corner on and you could only put the number one corner on one of them and now the other one's going to dominate you, that's why – uh, his route running, his ability to in and out of cuts, but his ability to, to run and, and take the top off the defense and being a, a, a catalyst from his rookie year. And probably Torrey being added, I think it was the sixth pick of the draft, his rookie year played a huge part in uh, the greatest show on turf being successful. I, I agree with you 100%. I've always been really curious about this because you have that gold jacket and it's just so iconic. Do you have a certain place that you store it? How do you travel with it? Because I'd be so nervous carrying that around. Well, I've gotten comfortable with it, Brooke, but I, <laughs> I really I really use it for and – and, and, Randy, we really can just have a show where we have all men call in because I think the gold jacket, Brooke, would help them because – if I get in trouble with my wife Tracy in the house, if I'm, I get the cold shoulder, I put on the gold jacket and, and I'm able to get a whole lot of favor in the house. <laughs> that's, <laughs> always, that's always a good thing. <laughs> so, we, so we can pass that jacket around in case the guys are calling and say, hey, I need that jacket on Monday of next week and I can just rent it out and they can get favor back in the house. <laughs> there, you go. there you go. The great Aeneas Williams is with us on 101 ESPN. And a couple of more minutes. Number one, Aeneas, I want you, because you are uh, under the radar behind the scenes helping people. And the, I know the NFL enlists you to help out pl- young players a lot. What are some of the things that you try to impart to young NFL players? The number one thing, uh, a lot of part of the work I've done over the years, Randy, and that is participate in the discussions in order to do the best we can to make the game safer, to remind the younger players and the coaches that the game has to evolve. We have to protect the defenseless players and that the youngsters are benefiting from decisions that were made prior to, to them being in the league. And the first thing I do when I talk to them, Randy, I said, do you love the contract? Do you love the money that you're making? And all of them obviously say yes. I say, well, there was some sacrifice. There were some decisions made before you came into the game. 
there are some strikes, there are some uh, decisions that were made, and now has the game at its highest level of of uh, fan uh, engagement, and I just love it. And now uh, a game will be overseas. Uh, well, we always have them overseas, but we see, we'll be in Brazil. But the number one thing is to encourage the guys, focus now and don't allow things off the field to distract you. Okay, and uh, you heard how I started the interview. My day is better because I spoke to Aeneas Williams. I want Pastor Aeneas to go to the pulpit right now and tell Randy how he can make his day better. Randy can make his day better by understanding, and Randy and any one of us, that if we will begin intentionally living lives of purpose, in other words, just like the purpose of this interview, the purpose of, of the three of you guys being on in the morning, what about the purpose of a marriage, the purpose of a parent having little kids and not getting frustrated when they're, they're younger because they're having to go to the bathroom, they're having to do all of that. But really engage and be intentional about what is the purpose of what I'm doing because when we're following purpose, we seem to have a lot more patience and we seem to be a lot more calmer because we understand the seasons that we're in. Follow purpose. It's easy. Hey, have safe travels, Aeneas. Uh, we really appreciate your time. I always enjoy talking to you and, and communicating with you, as you know. Enjoy Vegas, and we will talk soon. Thanks a lot, Randy, Brooke, and Dan. Thanks for having me. All right, we'll see you. Thank you. That is the Hall of Famer, the great Aeneas Williams, with us on 101 ESPN. He's amazing. He's he's one of the best St. Louisans that we have. Mm-hmm. Uh, for, I, I, I always tell this story, and uh, I never get tired of, of telling it. After all of the ruckus, uh, now eight years ago in Ferguson, uh, maybe it was the one ten years ago, but after everything that happened, the first person that I know of that was there the next morning to help board up some of the buildings that had been affected was Aeneas Williams. It's amazing. Yeah, he, mm-hmm. he, he's there. He just wants to help people, and he's just a pristine human being. He's, I think he's flawless. He's one of my favorite people, and if you could copy somebody in life, Aeneas Williams is a good guy to copy. I love that. I, I enjoy talking to him so much, and I can see why he is just such a great person and also leader of a church. Yeah, Spirit Church over at Northwest Plaza, Spirit the org with Aeneas. And so he a lot of times he'll have, like he, he had a great interview with Michael Vick and he invited me over just to take part in it. And, you know, just to because he knows what he's heard on the air, what I think yeah. of, of Michael. And he said, you know, I, I think Michael can change your mind. And Michael, to his credit, for all the horrible things that he did, has reinvented himself. And uh, he's he is a different person now in large part because of Aeneas Williams. So is Aeneas there daily with the, the church and doing things with uh, that? Yeah, every Sunday. Every, well, yeah. I mean, like well, daily, well, all week. Not every single day because like days like today, but uh, he's there a lot. He's very involved, very involved, and his wife Tracy is too. Great job today by our producer, audio video engineer, the only, the one, the only Matthew Rocchio. Thanks, sir. Uh, Brooke, did you have fun today? Yes. What's your face? We want to see your face. Who said that? You want to see my face? Danny Mac, we so enjoy having you here. Oh, always. Thanks for uh, letting me uh, come in here and crash your party on the morning. It's you're, our party. You're a part of the party. It's our party, Dan. Okay. <laughs> uh, we got a balloon party with T-Mac and Ajax coming up. Now and, that's a party. Oh, yeah, it is. It's a balloon <laughs> yes. party. Yeah. And then uh, BK and Ferrario. Is it still minus Ferrario today? I think it might be. 
is all, uh, it is, and I believe this is the last. This, this is the last balloon party for seven for days, I believe. Okay, yeah. yeah, this is the last balloon party for seven shows. So, okay, good. Looking, so get your Phil McKernan. Looking forward to that. So, do we fill for the no, next? No, you're, you're good. You're good. You're good. You're oh, going to okay. have a good show. You're fine. You're fine. Uh, and then <laughs> after uh, after the BKM Ferrario program, then you've got uh, Jamie Rivers vacationing, but Anthony and Carrie will be with you with. The fast lane until six o'clock. How many years did you do the fast lane, Randall? I was started in two thousand nine until two thousand twenty. When did the pandemic start? Twenty. Twenty twenty. Yeah. 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 So How could you forget that years. year? I remember. <laughs> I, I remember. May May se- the first morning show I did was May second of twenty twenty. So we're closing in on in on four years of mornings. Still awesome. Still haven't been late. Pretty amazing. Uh, we thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show for all of us. Until tomorrow morning at 7, have a great hump day, St. Louis. That's right. You've been listening to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.